Hola, hola Charlito. Charlito. Hola Charlie. Jonathan. Charlie, not Charles. The there man, the myth, the legend. There we go, brother. Thank <laughs> you for being here, man. Absolutely, man. I'm super excited to be here. I, I appreciate you making the trip, man. I know, you know, you, you have a lot of things going on, but, you know, somehow you, you were able to carve out the time to come see me, so I appreciate this. Um, I was thinking... Maybe today wasn't the first time that I that I saw you. Uh, you know, definitely we didn't meet the first time that I think I saw you. But I think you were supporting a friend in a courtroom. I think your friend had a case, and we don't we don't have to mention her. Uh -huh. But you know, me as an attorney, uh -huh. I would I would sometimes be there for uh -huh. my own case. Uh -huh. In Brooklyn? No, this was in Manhattan, around One Hundred Center Street. It sounds accurate. Um, I, a lot of my friends are people who would end up in the courts for whatever reason. Right, right, and right. I'm the friend who would show up support. and oh, no. support. You, you <laughs> so, were definitely playing the supportive role. You were definitely playing the supportive role. And whenever your friend went up to, uh, you know, see the judge, you were in the second row just, you know, twiddling your thumbs, hoping that everything was going to turn out okay. This and everything turned out okay for that person. Yes. Yes. And I can tell you who that was after. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, okay, cool. Okay. But um, we are living in unprecedented times, or at least within our lifetimes, right? And this COVID has taken us all by surprise. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, the deaths were a bit overwhelming. It was like we were living out of a scene of a movie. How have you been dealing with the last few months? And are your loved ones okay? So, yes, my okay. loved ones are okay. We've lost some family members. I'm sorry to hear that. It was, um, so it wasn't necessarily exclusively COVID. It was complications mm. due to COVID. Right. But nonetheless, it was a tragedy that would not have happened had COVID not been here. Right. I had COVID at the very beginning, and I didn't know that I had it back in February. Wow. So I was working, filming. I lost hearing in one ear. I had vertigo. I was kind of falling everywhere. I was a mess, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Well, this was before there was right. any talk about COVID. So we were just finding out what COVID is. Right. And we weren't really sure of anything. And um, I went with my friend Yandy to a, a eye, ear, and throat doctor. Is that That's what they're called, right? Like, yeah. Something like that. So right. I went to an eye, ear, and throat, and um, the doctor did all these exams. And he said, this is really strange. Your ears are healthy. I'm looking in and you have like the eardrum of a, of a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, but when I do the audio test, you're legally deaf out of that ear. So, of course, I bust out crying. I'm like, am I going to be deaf for the rest of my life? What's happening? What's going on? We didn't know. Mm -hmm. I went home and then a few days later, I just, I got really sick. I was, I had a crazy fever Lost weight, no appetite, couldn't smell, couldn't taste. So I look on the news, I was like, oh, I, I, got, I got the Rona. Right. I must have got the craziest Rona because I have all the symptoms they're saying and then some because I even lost my hearing. Wow. Yeah. So, so when you found out or when you discovered that you had Rona, um, 
you were Googling, but like the results weren't coming from American results, were they? Right. So, uh, right. There was hardly any information here. And so what I was doing, I was watching the BBC, which I felt like the BBC was giving better information than right. the American news because we were just kind of like learning about it, I guess. And maybe I think like American media didn't want to believe that we were really in a global pandemic. Right. I think we were kind of the last people to really be like, okay, right. well, it's we actually serious. were the last ones. Yeah, so it was real. And on the BBC, I was really watching stuff. So even they even said that in uh, people who live in building in complexes, it can go through the air ducts and stuff like that. And I was like, Jesus, I live in a, in a building like right. that. And sure enough, emails went out saying like, listen, people in the building have it. Avoid the elevators. If you're going to use the elevator two at a time, no more. Uh, just crazy wow but speaking of like just the mental health aspect of it i was really depressed really at the beginning yeah. and, and you live by yourself yeah okay. with my dog okay and um you know i was scared to go outside actually i know i know that you live with a dog i think i don't know what i looked up i think it was your uh your perfume and someone said anyone that kisses his dog the way jonathan kisses his dog i like immediately <laughs> I was like okay so I guess he has a dog that's my child Dexter right. Morgan I mean I named him after a killer but <laughs> <laughs> so he was there to like you know hold yeah, you down support like, you yeah it was my little buddy and you know it was just us but it was still really depressing mm. like I'm an extrovert I, I love being around people I love my friends right. I love my I family. sense that from you yeah you know I like to talk yeah Dominicans you know for the most part right like we love to be around yeah. family we love to be touchy feely and for all of a sudden, that to be taken away from you. No coro, no We like to be in that, and it was just a lot. I was so. Really, how long? How long were you quarantining for? Uh, before I actually went outside, I was quarantined for like six weeks. Wow! And finally, after six weeks, I was like, "You're gonna have to shake this fear off. You're gonna have to do something." Um, Uber Eats wasn't working. Instacart wasn't working. So I was like, you're going to have to go out. What are you going to do? Eat, eat tuna till the right. wheels fall off? Right. So I went to the supermarket with my friend Sin for the first time. We were both a little nervous because, you know, she has a child. And um, it just felt so good to see a friend. Mm. I kissed her. I hugged her. I, was, like, I cried. I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe that we're here. The fear went away a little bit. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But once uh, everything happened with George Floyd... I was so, like, engulfed with rage mm -hmm. and anger that that feeling kind of took over. Right. And you were like, no, I'm going to be out there in these streets. Yeah. Yeah. And I was marching and protesting every day and just being around so many people for what I thought was the best cause kind of took the fear out. And I was able to kind of feel a little bit normal. You know, I still social distance and wear my mask and all of that. Right. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I saw I saw that you took to the streets, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with your friends. I know Yandy Smith was also, yeah. Yandy Smith-Harris. Yes. She was also in the streets with uh, Tamika. Yeah, Tamika Mallory. Mallory, and right. Jamilati Davis and my son. And, right, yeah. right. Yeah, my son. My son's been doing some really good work. Yeah, all of them. You know, he's been super consistent. Mm -hmm. But before you physically responded to what you saw on TV with the mm -hmm. George Floyd situation, and then, you know, it was like other, you know, then you heard about the Breonna Taylor incident. Right. Even though there wasn't a visual for that, like you still, it still hits you differently because not only uh, was this whole George Floyd thing happening, 
but now you have the time to like really take in this, the information. So what was your response specifically to the George Floyd? Uh, did you watch the video? So, no. I, didn't, I, I watched portions of it because mm-hmm. I felt that he deserved for us to feel that pain. Because mm-hmm. it's painful to watch. Of course. If you don't feel pain for watching that, just watching someone gasping mm. for their last breaths of life. Like, if you don't feel anything, like, I just can't. But So, I, I watched as much of it as I could. And I just remember feeling like that could be me, that could be my brother, that could be any of my friends, that could be my future son. It could be any person around me, any person that I love, any any man of color. We are men of color who live in America. And, you know, I'm a double minority. I'm a man of color and I'm gay. Mm. So I know what it feels like to, to be a target. And it was just... It enraged me to the point where I was just... I remember I called Yandy. Yandy was really upset. Like, Yandy is... I feel comfortable saying this, but she's she's spoken about this on her social media uh, platform. Yandy's one of the strongest women I know. And I've seen her have to handle the craziest situations, and she always kind of keeps her composure, and she does it with grace and elegance, and she doesn't really fumble. And I remember I sat with her, and she just cried. Mm. And I've never seen her just do that. Right. And I was moved. And I started crying. And she just said, she said, I just don't. She said, you, I, I have a black son. Like, right. I have a black son. His dad has been in jail. Like, right. she said, I just, how, how, how do I explain to my children that I have to give you these precautions to be black people in mm-hmm. this world right. that are exclusive to you mm-hmm. that your friends don't have to you know know where to hold this di- like it's a lot it's a lot and a lot. i just remember looking at her pain and thinking Mm-mm. now is the time to really we what i don't care if we have to go to jail whatever it is right we have to make noise till something happens right right and i just want to like piggyback you know thank you for that by the way you know because uh you stated it so eloquently uh, how you reacted to it, because that's exactly how I reacted to it. It was, um, you know, in my mind, because I do the work, I do criminal justice work, mm-hmm. like you, you hear about these things all the mm-hmm. time, right? And not that one becomes jaded, but one knows how to, for the sake of self-care, learn how to like separate themselves a little bit mm-hmm. from what's happening. You mm-hmm. know it's, it's crazy, and you know there should be efforts to try to change what's happening, especially with criminal justice, police brutality, um, but there are situations like that that shock the conscious and um, strikes a chord. And I have uh, friends that were never into criminal justice at all. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them very corporate, some of them very capitalist that believe that, you know, in meritocracy that, you know, mm-hmm. you can n- avoid being in a situation like that. And um, even those persons, when they saw those eight minutes and four seconds or whatever that that time was of that officer not only kneeing, sitting on this person's neck, but with hands in his pocket, as as if to say, the state allows me, gives me the authority to do this. And it was it was extremely disappointing, disturbing, emotional. I did not see the full video. Um, I chose not to. But but I know that it was horrendous. And I just wanted to say something else about Yandy. 
uh, Smith Harris. I don't have enough experience in watching reality TV, mm-hmm. but I must say the the clips that I've seen of Love and Hip Hop, Yandy Smith Harris was probably the first woman, you know, and, and there's been others, right? But she, mm-hmm. that struck me as like a boss, like no, like she's controlling her situation she's right. controlling how she's being viewed mm-hmm. you know and you know so I, I i remember whenever i saw her on tv i was like she's doing a service to herself mm-hmm. so she has to be smart because yeah. i know people can try to like mess up your your story or mm-hmm. how you appeal on tv but anyway i've had experiences with the law um i've had awkward and negative moments with police officers as a child some dealing directly with me some dealing directly with my friends. You know, I was raised in Harlem, and during the time when Giuliani was mayor, I was a, I was a teenager. I was a young teenager, Same and I remember man. being harassed um, by police officers for sitting in the front steps of my building, right? As if we have backyards, right? We don't have backyards. Right. Our front steps are our backyards, our backyard. and we can't even hang out on our front steps. So as a 15-year-old, you having to think about Maybe getting an ID. I got my ID um, when I was in, um, when I got a permit, like a state ID. Mm-hmm. But I would always have to carry my high school ID. But my high school ID never had my address. So it was always a conversation with them about where I lived, about where I was residing. And as a 15-year-old, it was, it was, it was annoying. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it was somewhat, you know, normalized because it happened so often. And then... As I matured and I, and I became 16 and 17, getting stopped by them because, you know, I may carry the description of a mugger who uh, was probably black or brown. But if you live in a community that most of us are black and brown, then we all fit the description. Right. And get know, off so, the A train and just pick one, anyone. Right. We fit the mold. Exactly. And yeah. it, it's almost like the way they would say it. It was like you deserve to be stopped because of your skin complexion and because of where you lived. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me was like my first, uh, one of my first experiences with gaslighting, right? I had a tipping point when I had my own situation with police officers when I was a young man that resulted in an arrest, resulted in a criminal case that got dismissed, but definitely resulted in an altercation with me and a police officer and where I felt that I was unjustly arrested and also there was a lot of excessive force involved is that why you ended up becoming a criminal justice lawyer yes you know i i switched my major from business to to criminal justice Mm -hmm. you know after that instance and because of everything that i've experienced as a child Mm -hmm. it made me hyper aware of uh, of the criminal justice system the history of police brutality um, and how the state fails to hold police officers accountable, accountable right. you know? So my question to you, because I know you're a New York native, right? Mm-hmm. And, and raised in the Heights. Where? 178. Oh, 178. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. 178. Actually, and Cabrini. So I had an encounter with a cop. Right. That's, that was going to be my next question. Have you ever had encounters with police mm-hmm. officers? Because Washington Heights was known for over-patrolling. Right. So I had a couple. Uh, the 34th Precinct is no joke. I think it's crazy mm. that the 34th precinct is on 183rd and Broadway, which is basically like if you take the A train to 181st, you might as well take a, a, a plane from JFK to SDQ, San Domingo. <laughs> it is literally the same. And I think it's crazy 
that there is a precinct in the middle of Washington Heights. Right. And you walk in there. I've walked in there a couple of times. Every single person is Irish, Italian. I went to St. Elizabeth. I remember oh, being Yeah, I remember St. Elizabeth. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I went to Our Lady of Lords. We used to play oh, yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. in basketball. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I remember a cop being murdered or something happened when I was a kid. And that was the first time that I remember thinking, oh, my God, all police officers are white. Right. So they had a service for him at St. Elizabeth. They invited all the students. We went. Every cop came. And literally, it was a sea of just white men in blue suits. Mm. And it's crazy to me that in a neighborhood where it's all Dominicans, some of the people in Washington Heights still to this day don't even speak English. Mm. And we have these men who really can't relate to the culture. They might see something a certain way that really isn't. It's like you said. Yeah, we hang out on our stoop. Yeah, we play music. That's our culture. That's what that that's how we're raised. We don't have a backyard. Right, right. So I've had a few encounters with the cops, but two that really stick out to me. First, one time I was parked in front of my house mm. on one seventy eight in Cabrini. You know, Cabrini is like one of the um, more expensive blocks. And yeah, it's yeah. very Jewish over there. There's a lot of uh, there's a big um, Hasidic Jewish community right. that lives on Cabrini. Yeah, a lot of park area, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was a cop car circling around. He circled me twice, third time, pulled up behind me, turned the lights on. Like, I'm literally just sitting right in front of my house. Sir. Comes up to the window, like, literally, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Um, Banging hard. Banging, yeah. Yeah. So disrespectfully. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing here? What? I, I live here. I'm literally sitting, waiting for a parking spot to open up. Is it you live here? Can you prove it? Mm-hmm. Can your ID prove it? Well, yeah, of course. This is my address. What, what What's it going to say? Mars? Yeah, I live here. So <laughs> he's like, and if I check your car, what am I going to find? Right. I said, well, I'm a raging homosexual and I'm a makeup artist. You might find a dildo and you might find some makeup. Oh, my God. I, I, but what do you, what, what do you, impl- what do you think you're going to find in right. here? Right, right. Um... So, hand him my ID. Cause come on. Yeah, yeah. Hand him my ID. Um, he's like, okay, whatever. Takes it to his car. I don't know what the hell he's doing back there. Comes back. He's like, okay, great. Try not to sit here too long. I'm like, okay, well then I'll just park it on the roof. Second encounter I had with a cop was for Halloween. My friends and I always dress up in a group in a theme or whatever. Right. This specific year. We happen to all decide that we want to do drag for the first time, and we each want to be a diva. So I dressed up as Mariah Carey, mm. ended up looking more like Wendy Williams, but that's not <laughs> So we're sitting in a car, again, in front of my house, and um, we were waiting for a cab to come, so because we didn't all fit in my friend's car. Right. This is what it was. And so we're just kind of like, again, hanging out, but waiting, and... Sure enough, here come the cars. Just pull up right behind my friend's car. All come out, looking in the car, flashlight, like, literally mocking us. Like, what the fuck is this? What is this shit? Calling friends over, come look at this. Like, so humiliating. So, just embarrassing. Like, what if that was actually my identity? Right. You know what I mean? What if it wasn't a Halloween costume? What if I actually was a, a, a person who identified with a different gender and, and I was just living my life. Right. Is that the treatment that I would have 
got and every time I had an encounter with the cops, right. it was disgusting. I'm right. like, they have the upper hand. We just have to sit here. We have to take it. We have to let them point and laugh because if we do anything else, we're gonna end up in jail. We're in wigs. Like this is a lot. Right, right. And you so know? yeah, and it's almost like there's this need for you to just have to take it. Mm-hmm. And eventually people just get tired because you know why? You know why Jonathan can't afford to have a bad day? Because if Jonathan has a bad day and he doesn't want to take the harassment, Jonathan may end up getting arrested or even worse. You know, again, the pandemic, the shutdown has caused us all to like sit down and reflect on society. I feel like what can we fucking change? Because I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, but but talking about like the pandemic and the shutdown, you're out there, you know, in the limelight, and then all of a sudden, you're forced to isolate. And you're forced to isolate because of mm-hmm. you were a positive mm-hmm. for corona, but also because it was mandated to separate. How did you deal with that? So, when the shutdown happened, the show was actually still airing. Mm, okay. So, somehow, collectively, as, as a people, we have gotten meaner. Mm. There's this culture on social media and online where we want to tear people down it's almost like we don't allow people on television or in media to make a mistake oh, forget about it. cancer culture is so real right now it is and sometimes it's very necessary we must cancel certain people like pedophiles and racists mm. and corporations that support certain things right. yeah we should cancel Chick-fil-A for supporting Prop 8 great but to go online and make a witch hunt out of actual human beings, I think that people really, before they open up their Twitter app and their Instagram app, to write something vile and negative about a person that they do not know based on the perception of them right. from an edited show, they should really reconsider because they can really affect somebody's mental health. Right. And it's very easy for vile people to say, well, I feel great attacking you, faggot, and I'm going to keep doing it. And if you don't like it, don't be on TV. Mm -hmm. How is the answer? Get off TV. Right. Like, what about human decency and compassion? Right. You know, you watch a fragment of of a moment. these, These scenes are filmed for two and three hours and... They're compart- compressed into five minutes. They find the most salacious moments, and sometimes those moments don't paint us in the best light. Right. But you don't know intention. And so for me, with the lockdown, I I always usually do my... It's, I've been on TV for six years, so I do my best to not feed into it because, you know, I'm a gay man on a straight show. And I know that perhaps some people who watch the show have not had encounters with gay people and don't know about gay people so i already know that it's going to come with the territory that some people who are homophobic or perhaps just uneducated on gay people are possibly going to write something about me that is going to upset me so i don't read it but we're shut down we're locked down so i have nothing else to do but be on instagram and Every time I press refresh on my notifications, I'm slapped in the face with something just vile and negative about me that I know isn't true, but you read it so much that it starts to... Chip away. Yeah. It starts to chip away. And and that, I think, I saw the immediate effects of social media. And by the way, brother, like, I'm sorry 
that um, you've had to like deal with that. I unfollow so many people, you know, especially during the pandemic, is because of like bad energy. Mm. Out of all the actions in the world, out of all the words you chose to speak out or write, these are the words that you're choosing to use right now for what? And it's more of a projection of who they are and what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. It's hard when you're home by yourself, dealing with a lot, and you, you get you know, drowned into like these comments. Did you find a way to like get out of that, mm-hmm. out of that rut, that emotional rut, that psychological rut of like social media and all the negative energy from that? So I did, um, aside to that, I, I just feel like, I just want to say this real quick. I feel like this pandemic has brought up the best and, and the worst, worst in people. Listen. Even people who I knew for years, I'm just like appalled, disgusted by some of the things that I'm seeing. Some people who I... To be silent is to be complicit. And I can't wrap my head around anybody being silent anymore about injustice. I have started to hold people accountable for being silent about racism, but actually also about homophobia. These are not the times for that. Like, you got to speak up. If you don't speak up, you're just as bad. Right. And I'll be honest with you, some people unfollowed me for being so vocal. I, I never did it before because I felt like, you know, being friends with Jamility Davis, with Yandy, with my son, with, with um, Tamika Mallory, when they speak, they're so well-versed and they're so educated that I just didn't want to be a watered-down copycat. Right. So I never really spoke up because I didn't know about the issues with the education and the knowledge that they have on it. Right. But heart is heart. And so it's like, you know what? I might not have the vernacular and the diction that they have on these topics, Mm -hmm. but I know what is wrong and what is happening is wrong, and that's what I'm going to speak on. Right. And you know what? And I think people felt it. You know, especially me, um, being like we're friends on Instagram, I I saw that you were out there, and I saw that you were uh, appalled by what was going on, and you was trying to do anything that you could to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting so from my friends mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, when we talk about you, you get to see people for who they are, um, it's very telling when racism is not a deal breaker for you. Right. You know? Right. Um, and, and there were some friends, and I love this dude. Um, you know, white brother, um, he's my guy. He didn't say anything. And then, um, but he was really quick to, uh, you know, post about veganism and, and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? We're going to have to have a conversation right now. How'd that go? You know, and it, and it was intense, but it was good because he understood where I was coming from. And he understood that people are dying, mm-hmm. you know? And veganism, you know, it's important. You know, I really do think that veganism saves lives, right? Mm-hmm. And also helps us, you know, with karma and, and mm-hmm. how we, uh, you know, connect with, with right. everything else mm-hmm. that's living on this on this earth. Are you vegan, by the way? I'm not vegan. Uh, you know, I'm Dominican, bro. Like, you know, I know there's Dominican vegans, pero los tres golpes is like yeah. my favorite dish, man. I try, I tried to be vegan for 21 days. I felt good. I felt good. But, you know. You did more than me. I I'm a work in progress. Hours. So... Yeah. So we had a conversation and it worked out because he actually read up on the injustices and and he started posting about it. And, you know, and I don't think he was posting about it because he wanted to appease me or he felt bad about what I came at him with. I think he did it because he actually 
did the research. And he did it because he loved me as a friend and because he knew that that was important to me. So I think as allies, we have to look at each other um, and, and see, okay, like, is there something or a system out there that's oppressing you for being different? Right. If I love you, I have to speak out. I have to be an ally, you know? But yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming you came out of that rut, you mm-hmm. know? And, and how did you come out of it? So um, I just did a lot of, like, soul searching. Mm-hmm. I did... Um, it, it sounds nuts, but I did these, like, spiritual baths and mm. and kind of, I guess, yeah, meditation. I guess it is a, a sort of meditation, what I was doing. And I just started to feel better, mm. you know? I just was really talking to myself and telling myself what they're saying about you is not true. Right. Focus on the positive. Stop focusing on the negative. Right. Um, you know, I don't encourage anybody to do drugs. I want to start by saying that, but... For me, I microdosed a little bit with shrooms. Listen, it's and okay. And it really helped me. I've been I've been hearing pretty good things about that. I know, especially in the Dominican community, we're yeah. not used to having that conversation. And a lot of it is, is due to ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, because not everyone that does shrooms right. ends up being, you right. know, having a problem. But please, talk well, about I'll that. I'll be honest with you, Charlie. Listen, when I was a kid, I, you know, I went through hell, and we'll talk about that, but... I I and I spent a bulk of my life in therapy, mm. and sometimes therapists prescribe certain things to me, right. like clonopins, like other things, and it's a chemical that kind of does something to the chemical in your brain, right? right? And so shrooms kind of do the same, only that they're not made in a lab, right? So I'm like, well, these pills don't work for me. They turn me into Looney Town. I just don't like to be there. Right. I tried the shrooms and it, you know, it kind of worked. And like for me, you know, I, I kind of, I had so many unanswered uh, questions that I wanted yeah. answers to. And it just, it just kind of really helped me focus and kind of regain my, not really power, but just right. my focus. I right. just... There was so much noise and so much chatter, and I was getting so consumed with negativity and negative thoughts and what people were projecting onto me right. that I needed a moment where I was like, what the world thinks of you is really not your business. Right, right. Why do you seek it? Why are you looking for it? Why do you right, care? Right. It's not your business. Yeah. You're, you, these people are doing nothing for you mm-hmm. but creating noise in your life. What the fuck was that? <laughs> What in the world? <laughs> the stopper just came out, I guess. Uh, oh, smoke. my God. I wish you guys could have been in this room. <laughs> I was just attacked by a missile from a beautiful bottle of mold. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> but I felt the gust of air. I saw that, too. I was like, what I happened? Like, I thought it was the camera that fell. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Where you were? Yeah, you were talking about mushrooms, and and it helped you, yeah, uh, like, gain perspective. Honestly, yeah, it really yeah. did. Like my father passed away when I was eight, and I would go on these like, not to sound like a crazy hippie, but I would go on like shroom trips with my dad, and right. my dad was kind of like floating over the world with me, showing me all really? the ugliness of the world. And he was like, you see all of this? And I'm like, yeah, Dad. And he's like, but do me a favor, mijo. Look over there. And I looked over there, and it was beautiful and vibrant, and I saw mm. many beautiful things that are in my peripheral every single day. Right. And he said, this is what I want you to look at because you're so used to look, focusing on the ugly and looking at the ugly. Right. Please, mijo, look over there yeah. and just stay looking over there. Don't look over here because mm. you're never going to win. 
And it was like a great message that I would have not had if right. I didn't, you know, shroom. Again, yeah. I'm not here advocating That's for a, drugs it's or okay. whatever. It's okay. Whatever works for yeah. you. But this is what worked for me. Right. And, and you know, I'm happy I did it. Right. You know, I've heard really good things of, of microdosing. Um, I'm actually reading a book called Food of the Gods. Mm. Uh, and that was recommended uh, by a friend that actually does microdosing. And, and, you know, these are people that I really truly admire and that are... Uh, functional, you know, and, you know, they don't have addictive personalities. I'm not saying, micro, you know, mushrooms are not addictive. I'm saying that these people do not have addictive personalities. Right. And there's an element of, uh, you know, like, like, like you mentioned, appreciating nature if you're out in nature. Um, mm -hmm. But also there's an element that I'm particularly interested in, which is the element of ego death, which um, you look inward and you realize that um, this... This person that this self-conception is something that you created and it may not be real. It may not be real. Maybe it's a lot more fluid than what you think. You're not you're not this chair. You're not you're not this bottle of Moet that that almost fell down. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you're not this table. You're you're not a fixed thing. You're a you, vessel for energy. You're a vessel for energy. Um, that kind of energy is something that I invite into my life mm -hmm. at this certain time. I'm open to it. I've had conversations with friends about doing ayahuasca. Same. Yeah, so a lot have of my done friends that? have done it. Okay, and what have been their experiences? Positive, negative? I, I know it's intense. Yes. So I have um friends who are twins. They are identical twins. They're okay. very protective of each other. And they went away to do it together. And um, they came back. They shared the experience with me. And one of them actually on her journey in ayahuasca had visions of me and she wanted to share some of them with me. Okay. So I said, okay, great. So, but um, the first thing she said, she had an amazing job that she always wanted her whole life. Like, I'm talking like the best job. And she said, yeah, you know, I decided I'm going to quit that job. And I said, oh, uh, to, uh, well, I don't want to do ayahuasca because right. you are winning in life. And right. it, do you have anything lined up? And she said, no, I'm going to be okay. This mm -hmm. is what's going to happen. She like literally mapped it out for me. And I said, you... Well, friend, you sound a little crazy. Right. Sure enough, she quit her job, and a few weeks later, she landed the exact job that she manifested in ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Like she already had the best job, and she had an even better, better job. job, a more rewarding job. Yes, probably. fulfilling. Yeah. Just, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, yeah. and, you know, and I encourage that kind of journey. Mm -hmm. I think that, for example, my mother, if she would have learned that I had smoked marijuana, she would think that, oh my God. Tecato. Un tecato. Like, mm -hmm. this guy's going to end up doing coke and it's going to be a problem right. and I lost I lost my child. El hijo se me perdió. En la calle. Right. Dominicans see mar it's, it's, marijuana is one step beneath heroin. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and it's so exaggerated. <laughs> but you know what? We, you know, that's that's who we are. We're very exaggerated. Yeah. You know, a person has a car. Ese tigre tiene cuarto. Ese tigre tiene cuarto. You know, and it's like, okay. Like, no, it's not. There's nuance that's to this, funny. you know, and that's why, like, you know, I know you said, oh, you know, I'm not here advocating for these drugs. You know what I'm what I'm here advocating for? I'm advocating for the legalization of those drugs. However, to do it in a way where education is required, you know. Right. And yes, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be overdosing. It, you know, it happens with everything. And, you know, people die from alcoholism. It's right. legal. You know, and it's people like people die every day from lung cancer, from, from lung cigarettes. cancer, from cigarettes. It's you know, so again, you're gonna have those people, but I think, I do think, this is my opinion. I think there's much to gain, in, 
the human in the human mind mm -hmm. if we were to you know explore um and uh, and i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> i'm gonna leave it at that i'm gonna Clearly. leave it at that yeah. but um yeah so i'm 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 glad that you were able to get out of that and what i do for self care what i learned that i should be doing more often for self care uh, was was meditating something as you said sometimes when you were in that uh, bath mm -hmm. house I think uh, you said or, or sea bath like salt it, bath it, yeah well, you said salt bath at oh home? no 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 it was I was doing baths in my house like okay. spiritual cleansing gotcha. baths gotcha okay um, like African religion stuff right I I, I was just told to venture into it right. and it, it really it worked didn't out work. right yeah, but the essence of it is meditation right. Yeah, and, and affirmation and speaking to yourself and, and and all of that. Affirmations are so powerful, man. Highly important. As far as as far as uh, meditation, uh, I started doing meditation early in the morning, first thing, and I would do it for twenty minutes, and um, and I would just like focused on breathing, and allow myself to like just observe my thoughts without judging them, and then I would write. I would write like for two or three pages, just anything that came out. Was it hard for you at first meditating? Because super I felt hard, like, bro. Right? Focusing? Super hard. You know, I really do think that I have minor case of ADD. Yeah. I really do think that. Well, listen, I think being... I think all New Yorkers are ADD by default. Right. I think it's too much stimulus. It's oversaturated. It's a lot happening. Right. The minute you leave your house, you hear sirens, you hear yeah. merengue, you see 30 people. It's, yeah. I think we're ADD by nature. Right. And, I don't think and by so survival. Right. Yes. Like, things are happening. Right, like, right, right. You got to yeah, run, yeah. get the train. It's a lot. And I yeah. think now social media and just content and, and scrolling and this, the way that we receive media and content and information, right. everything is fast. It has to be 140 characters or 15 seconds. And we are programming our brains to retain less somehow. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. when we were kids, we had to remember phone numbers. Now we don't. Yeah, we don't. Just so many different things. We, we had maps back then. Now we have... Google Maps, it literally, cars are going to be driving themselves soon. Right. So, what what are we going to be? Like, marshmallows? Like, <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. So, are you doing better with the meditation? Are you continuing that process? Yes, I am. I, I um, you know, I, I grew up very Dominican. I grew up, you know, Roman Catholic, Dominican. So, everything in my house was, if it, if, if it wasn't a prayer on your knees, brujería. Eso del diablo. So, it was a... A moment. It was a a journey. That's I funny. Say. My mother said it, um, when I told her about veganism, she said esa vaina del diablo. Son diablo que son blanco. And I was like, what are you talking about, woman? You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, so it's been a journey. But I think I'm getting better at it now, okay. only because I saw how amazing it was. I mean, we're in a lockdown. I had nothing else to do. So right, right. once I realized, like, wow, there's power in this, like. Really, these affirmations, shutting things off, don't don't ingest uh, social media at night. Right. Turn the TV off. Like, really have a moment for yourself. Talk right. to yourself and believe what you're saying and put intentions out into the world. Right. Like, when I saw the outcome of it, I was like, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A dream of mine was to start a business, and I started four during mm. the pandemic. Look at that. Literally four. I have my own seasoning company coming out with friends of mine because... With the whole Goya thing, I said, you know what? We need to do our own. Like, literally, we know what we want. Right. It's for us, but we need to do it. Yeah. We need to make sure that we're doing it right and we're doing it for the people and our funding is not going to 
fucking Donald Trump. Donald Trump, because if it goes to a corporation that supports Donald Trump, it's going to Donald Trump. Right. You yeah. know, I started yeah. a, a, a UV light company with my other friend, and just but all this, to, all that to say, and I would have never you made it productive because of the correct. meditation and the self reflection and the progress that you made. Correct. So Good there's shit, something man. to it, and it works, and it's yeah. real. You know, I started this this uh, this podcast as I was uh, explaining to you before. Mm-hmm. It was during this pandemic where I was like, you know what? I have to come to grips with um, the artist within me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've always had uh, the excuse of like, I never have time. I never have time. And now um, I all looked at myself. All you, all you have is time. And you're like, all right, so now let's talk about your self-doubts. Why haven't you done this? Why haven't you explore, explored um, your this journey creatively? You know, what are you afraid of? I had to ask myself all those questions. And uh, yeah, it took a while, but I came out of it with this podcast. So I'm I'm excited. I have you on it. You know, like I'm doing okay, right? Man, I'm super excited <laughs> for you. And honestly, I feel like you were kind of like born for this. You have already like a speaking voice. You're very engaging. You're very knowledgeable in many things. Even you educate yourself as well as in on things that, you know, yeah, are maybe yeah. not your experience in your life. So right. you're like... Perfect for this game. Thank, thank you, man. I'll take that. I'll take that. I yeah. appreciate it. Because, you know, when it comes, I really do think that we should all, and you spoke about this with your friend, right? Where she took ayahuasca and all of a sudden mm-hmm. she's like a lot more tuned in to what she wants to do with her life and what success truly means for her, mm-hmm. which was a different route. I think for me, true success, because, you know, I've taken and I'm still in it, this traditional route where son of an immigrant, you know, go to school, get that job, son of an immigrant, become a doctor or a lawyer. This is, this is, you know, this is something that has been done directly linked to immigrant families and ambitions from immigrant families. However, the question has never been asked, what is it that makes you happy? What is it that makes you fulfilled? You know, so having this time for myself, what is the life? I have to ask myself, what does that life look like? What does that life look like? And it looks like waking up, doing what I want to do, right? But to me, that means waking up and finding something, identifying something that's worth reading, that's worth learning about. Because that's how I feel alive. Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't learn anything, I might as well be dead. Right. This reminds me that I'm not, again, this table, that I'm not this chair, that, I'm, that there's something brewing in me, you know, that's a part of this expanding universe. I identify what I find interesting, then I spend the time to learn, usually with a cup of coffee, cigar, but I, I spend the time to learn about that thing that I think is interesting. And if I find someone that's doing that thing that is interesting, I invite them over to the podcast and we have a conversation about that interesting thing that that person does. And now I become a better person mm-hmm. because now I gain perspective and hopefully I could do the same for my guests, right? So. So this is totally aligned with that life that I that I see for myself, and we'll see where where it goes. It's funny because you said, um, you know, you you were never really asked what is it that makes you happy, and I think there's something to be said about being a first generation um, American mm-hmm. from an immigrant family, yeah. because I feel like we were kind of raised with this notion of we're not here to be happy; we're here to be successful, yeah, almost by any means necessary. Right. Uh, you know, my, my parents kind of had a really good life in DR. And when they came here, it wasn't really that great. Mm. They ended up working in like, well, I won't say, but 
You know, not okay. conventional Listen, my mother, my mother, My mother cleaned apartments for rich people downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and now, every time I go to a hotel... And I see like the like the maid like the cleaning ladies. I always tip because I you know so right, you know. don't be you know it it helped them busting their ass yeah. allowed you to be. I want to see my parents get your lawyer. I don't want to incriminate. <laughs> but you know, but so for my parents and I my you. family, I just feel like it was kind of like we risked everything mm. and left everything yeah, yeah. to come here in the pursuit of success, not in the pursuit of happiness. So you guys are the first ones born here. You are entitled to every moment of greatness in this country, and you're mm-hmm. going to make the most of it. Right. My mom nearly lost her shit when I told her at 16, eh, you know what? You want me to be a lawyer because of my mouthpiece, but I'm not doing that. I'm actually going to be a hairstylist. I was actually going to tell you that. You could have been a really good lawyer. She, my whole life, that's all I heard. For my whole right. family, they're like, Oh no, déjalo a él que hable. No se deja, déjalo. Go, let Jonathan, he's going to sort it for us. But, so they were all just convinced, oh, he's going to grow up to be a lawyer. A sassy one, but a lawyer. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I want to do some hair. And my mom damn near lost it. She Mm. just couldn't believe it. She's like, we didn't come to this country, leave everything behind, and like, even risk damn near going to jail in this country right. for you to be a hairstylist. Right, right. But it worked out for me. Yeah, you know, yeah, of course. Um, damn sure it did. And, you know, going back going back to, like, your experience as, as a child, um, would you say that you experienced more adversity than many other children that you know? 100%. Okay, and that was because... Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to diminish anybody's pain or struggle. You know, everybody's gone through awful things in their lives but for me like so I went to public school first and that was awful so in the third grade my mom was like you know what I have to take my kid out of the school and take him to private school because they're gonna kill this kid right and that the bullying led to my mom finding out about a doctor in the Dominican Republic that states that if you have a child that you believe is questioning their gender or perhaps has inclinations, for a lack of a better word, that right. these were his terms, um, if you send them and submit them for treatment before they hit puberty, we can fix them. Wow. So before, quotes, so you're talking about what age? I was 10. Oh, my God. I was 10. And so, you know, he's a he's a doctor, so... My family kind of was like, you know what? what? They're bullying Jonathan because he's different. Mm-hmm. We can all sense that he's different. So perhaps this doctor's right. Perhaps he is different because he does have a hormonal imbalance. Because that's what this doctor was stating. That children who are perceived as effeminate, boys who are perceived as effeminate, is because they are conditioned, first of all, because they are surrounded by too many women, but they also have a hormonal imbalance. So my mom, to kind of protect me from these children bullying me, sent me to this doctor to fix, allegedly, my imbalance. And as soon as I got there, it was... It was just literally like, imagine you're a Dominican man who's a lawyer. Right. 
Imagine you're sl- you're sat in a room every single day by a big powerful person just saying you're not a man, you're a woman. You're not a lawyer, you're a doctor. You're not Dominican, right. you're Italian. Like just every single thing that you knew about yourself and your identity, you were just told no. It's okay. the opposite. Wow. Um just horrible. So it was like psychotherapy. It led to hormone therapy so they would inject crazy amounts of testosterone. Imagine what testosterone does to grown men. All that rage and all that anger with steroids. Right. Now imagine doing that to a 10-year-old child. Like my, They would do it in my glutes and literally my legs would tighten up to the point where I couldn't walk. So my uncle would have to go upstairs, carry me down, put me in the back of a 4x4 four four truck right. with uh, comforters and stuff in the back so I could lay down because I couldn't bend my legs. That's how tense and tight the muscles were from the hormones. So, oh man... Um... I did hear that that happened in the Dominican Republic, uh, but you're probably you're probably the first person that that I know that has experienced it. Before you even get there, how did your mother talk to you? Like, how did she sell it? Did she say that you were going to go to DR and you were going to see a doctor? Yes. So I was a really skinny kid, mm. and they told me that they were sending me away to a treatment so that I could gain weight so that the kids wouldn't bully me anymore. And so after like maybe, now mind you, I was in this treatment for, it was something like six or eight months, I can't remember. Right. And it was like, you know, they would bring me in in the mornings at like 8.30, they would come pick me up at four every day. And What happened to school during that time? In there. So you had school mm-hmm. in the same Everything place that there. they were giving mm-hmm. you? So did you see other young boys yeah. that were and going through the same, and yep. little girls? Mm-hmm. And there were, some of them were American? Um, everybody was Dominican. I don't know if they were Dominican from here or there, but we all spoke Spanish there. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And did they ever, did they ever, like, uh, physically touch you, like, abused you, like, hit you? The, it was... Or was it no. more, like, screaming at you? Yes. It was more screaming. It was more... You know how you feel when you're in school and you feel like your teacher's disappointed with you? Right. You it kind of crushes you a little bit. And so you're a child and you build a rapport with these monsters and you're, this is like, you know, this is how you know. You're looking to them for guidance and stuff and it was just always a feeling of disappointment and while they didn't hit, they would do light shock therapy. So they would put stickers on our bodies and tied up to a machine. They would show us images. If we were stimulated by certain images, we would get zapped. If we answered the question wrong, we would get zapped. Are you serious? So, so these images, um, I would assume, like, naked men? Naked no, boys? no, 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 no. It was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. It was more like um, like a cooking show or like oh My, my Little Pony. God, now we're, now we're going into deep, like, gender. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was, it was dumb and barbaric. When I think back, to, literally, I would watch videos of, like, My Little Pony or, like, the Power Rangers. Or Ninja Turtles. Shit like that. Mm. But I like both, you know? But of course, I'm more inclined to... Yeah, I like gems more. I, they were fucking cool to me. Rockstar bad bitches. So, man. And did at any point in the process, uh, did you feel that you were becoming that different person that your family wanted you to be? Because after a while, you're like, you know what? Yes, maybe I am that. 
I I I am mm-hmm. I am a boy and I'm not supposed to be mm-hmm. feminine. Did it get to that point? Never. Or, but okay. it just what it did was solidify that I was damaged goods, mm. that I was worthless. What's the point of living? You're never going to you're never going to be the boy that they want you to be. Right. You're never going to have an interest in sports. That's not you. So what is the point of being alive if you're just if you're just gonna be a disgusting disappointment to every single human being that you encounter? And you are pretty much beaten mentally every single day by a psychotherapist to the point where you just you feel worthless. You feel like what why why did God make me? Why am I here? What is the point? If I'm so flawed, why am I here? Why am I alive? Right. You know, there's I I, I don't want to miss I don't want to misquote like people would have to Google it, but there's a high rate of children who come out of gay conversion therapy and commit suicide. You know, I would imagine that's the case. Mm-hmm. You know, because as soon as they leave, they're still battling with who they are, mm-hmm. and now they went through this traumatic experience Mm -hmm. and it's not like you go back home and you know the people that you love or say that they love you Mm -hmm. aren't putting them you know equal amount of pressure if not more right right and it was crazy like he said that i had too much feminine influence in my life so he suggested that i don't spend as much time with my grandmother with my sister my sister's been my best friend since i was born Mm -hmm. you know we're only a couple of we're only uh 15 months apart Right. She's one year older than me. Freaking frack. We're together everywhere. Like, you know, what do you mean? Like, I, I have to go through this hell, and now I can't really be with my best friend. Right. When my sisters are doing stuff together, I'm being told, no, you can't go with them. Why? Why can't I? Why not? Right. It was crazy. I remember I was always obsessed with Whitney Houston. And Whitney Houston had a concert in Radio City. My mom had tickets. And, you know, he said that I shouldn't be put in situations where I idolize women. And so that was Whitney Houston. So when I came back from DR, the only thing I'm looking forward to is I'm going to go hear Whitney Houston from The Bodyguard saying I will always love you. And my mom didn't take me. And it crushed my spirit. I remember crying my eyes out thinking, Jazz doesn't even like that music. Right. She doesn't. Why are you taking her? Right. And my cousin, like, why? I didn't understand. I couldn't grasp. I just I couldn't understand it. And and you have sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Jasmine is your sister, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She works with um, Alfredo. Alfredo, yeah. my guy, Alfredo, fraternity yeah. brother, and also junior childhood friend. Great guy. Doing great things with their establishment, uh, bistros. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and talk about doing through the pandemic. Oh, listen, they've been active. Ooh. They've been active. So, man, and then you come back from that, and you must feel terrible mm-hmm. because you are who you are and like how was that for you it was depressing it was sad i remember i would just lock myself in my room i would basically listen to like depressing sad music and i remember one day my grandmother lived with us and my grandmother has no problem stating that i've always been her favorite right and i just me remember, too me too by the way <laughs> me too right and um, I remember one day my grandmother came in the room. It was the summer. And I was listening to music. I had the boombox on the fire escape. And I was listening to it. But not like typical boombox right. music. I was listening to like Polo Cole. And like just, you know, kind of depressing, somber music. 
And my grandmother comes in the room and she's like, don't you, you know, you don't want to go out with your siblings. You don't want to go downstairs. Like, you know, they're in the park, the fire hydrants open. I was like, I don't want to do those things. I just, mm-hmm. I want to be here. I want to be alone. I, I just, I want to be alone. Mm. And I remember my grandmother's eyes watered up and my mom was home and I could hear my mom's room was adjacent to mine. And I can listen to the conversation. And my grandmother walked in the room and told my mom, I'm not, I still don't really know what you did to that boy. But whatever they did to him over there, they, they broke him. Wow. She said, and I don't question God. My grandmother is extremely Christian. Mm. My grandmother said, I don't question God. But that's a question that I have for God. Because that boy was born like that. And that boy is an angel. And I just don't understand. It was heartbreaking for me. Right. I, I remember crying my eyes out. Like, I don't want my grandmother to be sad for me. I don't. Right. But, you know... I, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be straight. I'm not going to play sports. I don't I, I don't like that shit. It's not for me. It's not right. my jam. And what I what makes me happy makes you guys unhappy. So what are my options? I'm going to sit on the fire escape and listen to my boombox and just just not just not live, just not do, just not be. I'm right. just chill out here in the dark. Let leave me alone. Okay. You know, and it took a long time for me to get out of that. Right. Finally, I was like, how were your siblings? How did your siblings react to that? So yeah, my sister always... My sister felt like I was just, like, an uh, introvert. Mm. She felt like I, I went from being a bubbly child who was very extroverted to just becoming an introvert. Mm. And one day for Mother's Day, we were cleaning my mom's closet for her and cleaning her room and doing all that. And my sister found the folder that they sent from DR with me that explained everything that I'd been through. Mm. And so my sister came in the room and she said, Jonathan, what the fuck is this? Like, what is this shit? This is when you left to DR. Like, so what 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 is this? Like, what did you go through exactly? Right. And when we were sitting there reading it, I was crying. I still have the folder and some of the pages, like it was on a it was uh, on a typewriter. Right. Some of the font is foggy because I was crying so much that I was wetting the pages when I when I found it. I and I was like, Yeah, I remember all of this. Like, this is what I went through. This is exactly what I went through. When I detailed it to my sister, when my mom came home, my sister went and confronted her. I said, what the fuck did you do to him? And I just remember kind of like a war erupted and I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to upset my mom. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just not going to, I'm not going to deal with this. And, but I decided, I was like, you know what? But I am going to live my life and I'm going to do what I want to. And while I don't suggest anybody drop out of high school, I dropped out of high school. I I was a junior. I dropped out. I signed up for beauty school. And I said, I've lived my life trying to make all of you happy. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest fuck you. I'm dropping out of your Catholic school. I'm going to beauty school and I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be the best at it. And it worked out for me. I traveled Shout the world. Shout out to that, man. Yeah. I'm sure just by you saying those words, are, you know, you're helping out so many people that are, are faced with that adversity. Wow, man. And how's your relationship with your mother since then? You know, it's like so many bad things come out of reality TV sometimes. For me, that was such a blessing because... I knew if I was going to be on reality television, I wanted to be on it with a purpose. And I knew that that was a conversation I'd neglected for so many years. And it caused a rift with me and my mom. And I just didn't want to have that divide with my mother. She's right. my only living parent. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I used to be a mama's boy. So we had the conversation on the show and it was really like therapeutic and healing because I was under the impression that my mom knew exactly what she submitted me to and I thought that she consented to me being electrocuted I thought she consented to me being 
um, injected with hormones, and I thought she consented to the extent of the psychotherapy that I received. Right. And she didn't know the details to the point where I was telling her she couldn't hear. She said, "I don't." She said, I, "You just have to forgive me, but I don't. I, I can't anymore. I don't want. I can't. I can't receive this. Right. Like I, just knowing that someone did this to my child, I can't receive it. Right. Just so you have, we have to move on. Okay. But I can't hear what happened to you." And just me watching her not even being able to ingest what really went on, I'm like, I know that she didn't know. Right. And I had to forgive her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure in her mind, um, not that I, you know, I'm sure in her mind she was just dealing with the tools that she had to, like, protect you. Because she was right. probably doing it um, with the thought of wanting to protect you. Right. Um, wanting you not to get bullied mm -hmm. in school. Um, was your father, I know you said that your father passed when you were young. Mm -hmm. um, how old were you when he passed? I was eight. So this happened two years after. And my father supported my effeminate ways. Really? My father used to buy me dolls. Um, yeah, he would buy me dolls. There, were, I remember like moments where I would want this Barbie, but I wanted the clothes from the other Barbie. He would buy both and say, just do whatever you want with the clothes. He, he embraced it. Wow. So That's... he would have never allowed it to happen. That's interesting because I, you know, I would think that most, most young boys in in that position um, with fathers would have a different experience. With Dominican fathers would have a different right. experience. So I guess would you say like in that aspect you were lucky that yeah. your that your father had this uh, don't give a fuck about mm -hmm. them approach. Oh, 100%. be who you are. Right. My father was very eccentric. You mm -hmm. know, when I hear stories right, about right. my dad, yeah, I'm like, whoa, my father was a hoot. And my father knew that he would be passing away. So he asked my mom if for the last year of his life I could, I could go to DR to live with him. Mm. And that year made a lasting impression on me. Although I was only seven, I remember conversations that I had with my dad. Mm. Like I have a tattoo here that has many things that I remember from him. Like a yeah. turtle that was the last pet he bought me in. Mm. I just remember him sitting me on his lap saying things like, you know, for your whole entire life, Every room you walk into, you're always going to be one of a kind. Mm -hmm. And you're always going to be very different. And that rings so true now. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he was trying to prepare me because he knew I was going to be different. Mm -hmm. And he knew that the world was going to be unkind to me. And he knew he wasn't going to be around to protect me. And so he was just trying to, um, like, as best as he can, uh, like, kind of build me with what I needed to live. Mm -hmm. In life, being mm -hmm. different. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. You need me to... Yeah. Get a tissue? You get a tissue for... I know, it's fine. Okay, you're good? All right, good. Yeah. Um, like, he was cool for that, you know? Right. Like, it's... Dominican men are not really like that, especially in the 80s, mm -hmm. you know? It wasn't the experience, and my dad was just like, no, if... My son is my son, and what is important to me is his happiness. I don't care if he wants to play with dolls and Ninja Turtles. Who gives a shit? Right. I want my son to be happy. Right, right. And once he died, that kind of, you know, that feeling of protection went away. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now this feeling of protection went away. You, you come back. Um, and thank you for sharing that about your father. Um, you know, I, my father also passed away when I was uh, six. Um, and, um, yeah, he died from lung cancer. Um, meanwhile, I'm out here smoking cigars, right? <sighs> but, um, you know, I had a similar situation in which 
you know, he showed how much he, he showed his, his soft side. And um, actually, he showed his soft side many times. I, you know, I would argue, I would, you know, I would say that my father was emotionally intelligent. Like, he wasn't about, like, okay, men aren't supposed to express feelings. Like, he would hug me all the time. He would talk to me. He would kiss me on my cheek. Um, and I remember one time he was walking me to the daycare. I was, like, maybe four or five. And um, as he was uh, walking me to the daycare, I'm like, oh, like, you know, my mother, you usually pick me up. Mommy usually takes me. Um, thank you for this. This is actually fun. You should do this more often. And all of a sudden, I said that, and within seconds, he turned around. Um, there was like a, a like a window um, on the first floor of that street on that hill, and then he faced that window, and he started weeping. And I was like, "Why is this guy weeping?" Like I'm, I'm like in shock. I'm like five years old. I'm like, "What's going on with this dude?" And, um, and then he looks at me, and then he says, "I love you," and then. Um, but he doesn't say much more. I don't know why he was weeping. Um, it turned out that around that time, he had been diagnosed with uh, cancer. So I'm not sure if he knew how much time he had to live, um, but I think that came from um, him wanting to be there for me in the future, but seeing that as not possible based right. on his diagnosis. Um, so, yeah, you know, like you... Those memories are worth a million dollars, you know, more than a million dollars, you know, because, you know, they they keep us going mm -hmm. and, you know, we can reflect back. And so, again, thank you for sharing that. Um, now you're with one parent, right, as opposed to two. Mm -hmm. And for a child like you, especially after going through a traumatic situation like you like you did in the Dominican Republic and also going back to high school and then, you know, uh, kids are like... Um, you know, crummy, like just yeah, crummy, yeah. teasing. How was the healing process for you? So I decided I was like, you know what? I felt depression early on. Mm. Like I said, I went through years of therapy. Right. So I knew I was clinically depressed, and it was based on, of course, partly chemical imbalances from all the testosterone, but also emotional from the abuse. So. I just remember thinking, like, you know what? You're never going to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. Back then, I was, you know, still very Christian, and I just believed that I would go to hell and end up in purgatory. I didn't want to do that. Right. So I said, suicide is not an option for you. Although you don't have a reason to live, you've only ever lived to make them happy. So why don't you decide right now to tell every single human being that's ever been in your life, fuck you, I'm going to live for me. And I did. And it was like, I felt, I lived my whole life feeling like everything I was was a disappointment, right? I wasn't straight. I wasn't uh, masculine. I wasn't all the stuff they wanted me to be. Right. So I said, I want to be the most successful person in their lives in spite of what they wanted me to be. Right. And I became that. Got I'm it. the most successful person in my family. My family is full of many people who went to colleges and this and that. And not that success is measured by money, right. but for my family it is. Mm. And so I became the person in my family who makes the most money in spite of what they wanted for me. And this was all done without even a GED. I never even went to get a GED. I just dropped out and went straight to beauty school. And, you know, I want to say that it was all the years of trauma and feeling like less than and feeling like the disappointment that gave me the drive to want to just be, be who the you best. Are and be the best. But, like, was there, like, a component of, like, you know what? That's it. This is who I am. 
and I'm unapologetic about it. It was, I just, I literally, I, I just got sick of feeling bad, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I really did. I just, I woke up one day and I said, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to put this shirt and tie on. Like, this is so ridiculous. I don't want to sit in these classrooms anymore. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Right. So I took my brother to school and I went, I sat in the park and I mapped out my life and that was what I did. Yeah, yeah. I took the train instead of stopping on 85th, where I would, I went straight down to 34th, the beauty school that I knew, and I said, what do I need to do to enroll? So would that, you know, would that be your message to like young boys and girls that are, um, that are going through similar adversity now? Um, even though we're living in different times, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, I would argue, you know, it's a lot easier for you to 100%. be a young, you know, young man that, that your family is viewing as gay or a young girl, if, if she's a lesbian, um, like, what would you say to them right now um, with super strict Christian parents that are like, no, we need to fix you? Like, I would literally tell them that while approval from your parents and making your parents happy is a portion of your life, it is not your life. And your life is not your parents' life. Just because they gave you life doesn't mean they own it. Right. And you have to really remove yourself from the expectations that they have of you because you're not alive to make them happy and proud and all that. You need to live your best life and your true self. And if who you are at your core affects them negatively, you have to be okay with maybe removing yourself, but you're going to have to make yourself happy because if you live to make them happy, you're going to be miserable. I did it for many years and I didn't find happiness till I was like, I'm going to do me. And they came around. All of them came around. And now they're very proud of me. And they're very happy. And, you know, I know that's not the case for everybody. But I have a beautiful, huge family that adores me and loves me. And is proud of me and tells me every day, like, damn, you know what? You were right. We're happy that you chose to do what you you did. Right. And, you know, so... I have... It sounds corny, but it does get better. Of course. (laughs) You know, and... I mean, from the looks of it, it does, right? And I, I think, thankfully, uh, I would like to think that we're a more tolerant society. And um, as Dominicans become more exposed to, like, non-traditional way of thinking, mm-hmm. um, it's easier for these kids. Um, I have friends that have come out in later in later age. My first thought, which is, you know, the wrong thought, was um, putting myself in the place of the parent, right? And, and I've had this conversation with my girlfriend before. Um, and, uh, you know, I've asked myself, like, how would I feel if I had a gay child? And as a Latino heterosexual male, right. um, I get protective, you know? And it wasn't a sense of disappointment. It was a more a, a sense of, damn, this child is going to have to deal with so much bullshit in their life because of their lifestyle. And I wouldn't want that for him, Right. But over the years, I've come to realize that um, you can only control what you can control. And, um, and I stopped thinking from a place of fear and more uh, from a place of, of love and acceptance. Um, you know, because, you know, I also have to make myself accountable. You know, as, as a heterosexual man, man um, in wanting to see a more loving and accepting uh, society... I have to ask myself, what am I doing to contribute to a more just and tolerant society? You know, and I think, um, you know, when it's 
when it's about talking about sexuality, a lot of men say, oh, even this conversation could be too much, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, it's, but it's time that we start talking about sexuality without these overarching social implications uh, that derive that are derived from a hyper-masculine culture, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I saw, and I, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, I don't know which show, um, there was a show on Netflix called The Love and uh, Love on the Spectrum, mm -hmm. and I think it was on Netflix, and uh, it was pretty much matchmaking uh, for young men and women that had autism, mm -hmm. and uh, these individuals all ranged in how developed they were, um, so um, they range in how they understood uh, social cues, um, how they engage in conversation and so forth. Uh, there was one scene where a young boy um, was dating this young woman, and the young woman asked him, oh, do you date often? And I, I think he said, not a lot, but, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And at some point he said, oh, and I think I, I thought I, I liked boys, um, but then I saw a gay point, and you know what? I realized it wasn't for me. Right, and it was like with so, so much pure. innocence, so yeah. pure, and it was like a powerful image of what a conversation can be outside of hyper masculinity. Like he wasn't thinking about the social implications. Like mm -hmm. you know, it, it's it's a real thought. It's a real thought. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It's just not for me. Or mm -hmm. even if it is, fine. Mm -hmm. You know. So I hope we get to that place. Same. You know, I hope we get to that place. And um. Yeah. Do you I, think we're getting there? I think we are, and I and 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 I think we're not. Uh, how can I say this delicately? I don't want to end up on council culture. Um, I think that a lot of. I shouldn't say a lot. I think there are gay people in the media who work hard mm -hmm. at making themselves straight adjacent and what I mean by that is I know many gay men in media who will speak out about racial inequalities right. but will never mm. touch inequalities and injustices for the LGBTQ plus community right. and I think that they do that out of perhaps fear of becoming a, the gay guy the gay person and I think we have to be. You know what I'm saying? Every room that I walk into, yeah, I'm going to be the Latino. If something said, if something is said in the room that's off the wall and offensive to Latinos, even if I'm the only one, I'm going to speak up. Right. And I'm going to do the same for the LGBTQ plus community. Right. And I think that while we have made huge strides, there's still a big group of people who don't see us as part of the norm, who don't see us as part of like the the American picture of family values and all that. Right. And you know who who are you to be the judge and the jury? My family unit is my family unit and it shouldn't affect you. Right. If you got a problem with gay marriage, don't marry a gay person. Right, right. Marry your wife, marry your husband, let me be. You know? So I think that we have made strides, but I think that we're an excessive minority. We make up only, allegedly, we only make up 10% of the population. So it's going to take a lot of allies. And I think we can't get those allies by being quiet. Right. I think we need to call people out. I think we need to be honest, you know. I have a friend who, she never wanted me to say the word gay around her kids. And I said, oh, babe, then I, I don't think we can be friends. Yeah, no, at this point, no. 
you know, I don't think we can be friends. Because right now you're de- you're denying my experience. Yeah, and she's black. It's, I was like, that's like you coming to my house and I tell you, you can't you can't tell my kids that you're black. Right. Like, we, we can't talk about that in this house. You know what I mean? I said it's it's literally just as offensive. It's like I'm a naughty thing. Right. And I don't want to feel like that. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it's been a process for me to, um, you know, as a young man, to show up in the right way in support of my gay brothers. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be quite real. Um, you know, and it's been a learning process. And I, you know, just the other day, I went to an all boys high school, mm-hmm. and um, there was this young man that sat like two seats before me, um, almost in every class. Uh, because, you know, it would be alphabetical order, and he just always ended up in that seat. Um, he was kind. He was, he was, he was cool. Um, he was visibly uh, feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, he would do something to his hair that other guys would, would have, you know, a riot about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was so much teasing there, and I would always, like, shut it down when it got too much. Like, come on, like, the dude... Like, let them let them just experience school the way we all are, right? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever it got over the top, I would always jump in and be like, "Stop, relax, like, do something else." And and I remember he, you know, last day of school, he wrote in my album. He said, "Thank you for, um, you know, never really teasing me, um, and I wish you the best of luck." And I did the same for him, and it was cool, right? It was like, all right. And then, you know, this same friend. Um, or this same, you know, because unfortunately we weren't even friends, and I'm sure it was because maybe as a young man Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you know. A few years after, like a decade and a half after, uh, he Facebooks me. And now he's transitioned, so so now he's he's a woman. So Mm -hmm. now I'm speaking to her on Facebook, and she reiterates that high school was terrible for her. And I said, "I'm, I'm sorry for that, you know, but specifically... She said high school was terrible and she had very dark moments. And thank you for not engaging in all the teasing. And I said, you know, I responded. I was like, I'm glad that you're doing fine. Can, you know, and she also said, thank you. Um, um, you know, I'm glad that you're doing fine as well. I've seen that you're doing your thing. You went to law school, whatever. Um, and I left that Facebook message like proud I'm like yeah like I'm a good dude mm-hmm. of course like I'm that guy like of course <laughs> I would do that of course yes. you know it, but reality was I had to check myself it wasn't that I was against the teasing I was just against the abuse of power and authority mm-hmm. I wasn't really giving her the respect that she that she needed like the real respect you know so I had to check myself and I was like you know what I have to dig deeper like, it's not about not watching someone disrespect another person. It's about really respecting that person's existence and experience. So, again, that was a, a self-check that I did. And I also, you know, sat down with a, a good friend of mine who came out, you know, as I said before, later in age. And we had a really good conversation because not only was I, uh, not only did I learn that I was complicit by not speaking out against you know, homophobic behavior or words. Um, but I also, you know, I also contributed by saying some of those things when I was younger, a teenager, uh, or, you know, uh, a young man that made it really hard for him to come out, you know? And I, and, you know, so that made me feel some sort of way because I, I, you know, that's my guy. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for me to hear that, 
kind of, you know, put the, you know, really changed the way I thought about about just being an ally. And I said I need to step up because it's a, you know it's a it's a lot more than what I initially thought. Like I really have to conceptualize, you know, that we are all here and to fully accept people for who they are. And because of that, um, I've become a lot more like open with and you know whether they're gay, straight or bisexual, um, I've met remarkable people. And it's and it almost brings tears to my eyes to even think that I would have deprived myself of that friendship, of those friendships, because it's more than one, mm -hmm. if I would have, you know, not developed mm -hmm. as a human being, you know? So, my bad, man. I just went on a rant, bro, but... No, but I, I love what you're saying, and I'm so happy to hear you saying it as a straight man. Like, it, I feel like that right there, what you're saying is what is beautiful with the world. And if everybody had that same exact mindset and applied it to every situation, we wouldn't be in the state of the world that we are. Right. You know what I mean? There wouldn't be so much war. It's not just about injustices for gay people and standing up for gay people. It's just all across the board. Yeah. Like, people are dying solely for believing in whatever religion they believe in like it's just it's so many things yeah. people are people are dying just for being born a woman like so if we can apply that mindset across the board to just live and let live love and move with trying to learn and and don't just don't just be standoffish don't just oh i'm not dealing with that i don't know what that is just learn interact explore and lead with questions. love lead with yes. love man Yes, like, like yeah. my experience as a gay person and with all the gay people in my life, what I can say is, I, bro, I love being gay. Mm. It is amazing when I'm in a room full of gay men and I'm like, yo, I know you were picked on. I know you were picked on. I know you were picked on. And I, it can almost bring tears to my eyes to know that. We're blessed to be here because not everybody has the, the the mindset and the heart and even the thick skin to endure years of battering and abuse and beating up, literally beating up. We right. would get beat up on playgrounds and not everybody can survive that. And it is beautiful to see a room of people like, you know what, in spite of what the world wanted us to be, we're still here and we're still going to make the best of our lives. We're still going to be fun. We're still going to be funny. We're still going to love. Right. And it's a beautiful thing, and I want just people listening to this to know that you can gain more by leading with love than rejecting with hate. Right. That's beautiful, man. I, you know, I just want to say it because I want to start talking about what you got going on because you live an exciting life. I, but I just feel the need to say that um, um, that I want to apologize, right? You know, as a as a member of that community. Um, for not always being an ally, you know, and um, and for now, you know, understanding all of the uh, adversity and the pain associated um, with your experience or people like you um, in their childhood. Well, um, thank you for that, Charlie. And honestly, just even having this conversation on a public forum, I think we're, even if we just change one mind or I think this 
makes up for it. And I think that this is exactly, these are the conversations that need to happen, especially on a public forum. So people know like, damn man, like being unkind to someone could really do a number. And right. do you really want to live with that mindset of, bro, I was so unkind to that person and that person ended up committing suicide. Mm. My first boyfriend ever committed suicide. And it was painful for me to hear it. And it was just from him not being able to just basically live his life with his sexuality. And it was right. really sad because he was a great guy. He was, if he would have been in this room, he would have been like crying laughing. That's how dope he was. Really cool guy. Just took himself out of here because he didn't want to deal with the rejection of the world. And it's, it's intolerance and just being an intolerant person really worth the world just having one less amazing soul when there's so many bad ones. Right. Right. You know? Oh, man. All right. So, you Where's know what? The, you know what? I need a drink. Okay. Yeah, I know. You know Where what? I need a drink. The, what is this? A white claw? I'll this, take anything. Yeah. Like, we, oh, great. The, the, the cocktail that assaulted the me. The cocktail that assaulted <laughs> you, man. Yeah, I think I'm going to get another sip of that. Um, that ice smoothie. Thank you, brother. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. So, yeah, man, let's move forward because you have a life that is exciting and worth talking about, right? Many folks come to know you uh, because they watch Love and Hip Hop. Right. Um, Everything is a lie. I'm not a screamer. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> What's up? Where's the show now, man? So we are um, we're on hiatus because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think that... Viacom and VH1, they're being responsible. You know, I'm sure they're taking a hit by not creating new content, but I think they're trying to be very mindful of not only the cast, but also the crew. And, you know, it's Love & Hip Hop is a big production. Like, right. when people watch it, they just see two or three people on camera. But behind the camera is, you know, each person has a producer. Each person has two security guards. It, it, there's a crew. There's a, It's so many people. The set can consist of 50 people. Do you have, uh, like, security guards? Yeah, we do. But, like, you, like, assigned to you? No, uh, well, the show assigned... So every time you film, you're assigned a security guard. Okay, okay. So if, you know, obviously, everybody knows there's a show based on conflict and resolution. <laughs> and, you know, love and hip-hop. Conflict and resolution. That is a great Just way to diplomatically. describe the show, man. So, you know, some of us are a little rough around the edges. Right, right. So, people don't always resolve set conflict the same. Which is some human people, nature, right? Yeah, yeah, some people throw chairs. Right. Some people throw punches. I throw jabs. Mm. Anyways, we need security to make sure that if a chair's flying my way, security can jump in and grab the chair before it hits right. me. I've seen, I've seen some of those situations happen, um, you know, when... When you know all of a sudden turning on the channel right. and checking reality uh, shows, right? Not particularly mm -hmm. loving hip hop, but others as well. But um, and I'm not gonna lie, you know, uh, I'm not a huge fan yeah, yeah, yeah. of reality shows. But for some reason, uh, whenever I happen to land on loving hip hop, um, you were one of the most notable faces and personalities. Great, um, thank you, Charlie. And then I found out that you were Dominican, and I was like, all right, <laughs> who is this guy, man? You know, and and somehow I felt like I wanted, you know, to like mm -hmm. support. There was like some form of solidarity because there's not too many of us on TV. There is. Um, yeah, man. So how would you describe your experience with love and hip hop? Because I know you've been there for what, six years? So I did three years in a, a previous show. 
that was kind of a spinoff from Love and Hip Hop, and then I've been on Love and Hip Hop for three years. Mm. Um, you know, I've had a great experience on it. I mean, it. Okay, let me say this. I'm a truth teller, right? Right. So I can't really. I don't deal well with bullshit. I don't. I don't deal well with baloney. I can see through a lie, right. and so I'm not comfortable ever having a conversation with somebody who's bullshitting me. Mm. And there, people on Love and Hip Hop already have a brand, right? And so they don't want to deviate too much from that brand. Right. That comes with a uh, with a little bit of baloney, and when I see it, I call it out, call and it that out. can ruffle feathers. So instead of receiving it and saying, you know what, yeah, that was some bullshit. I'm I'm, I'm bullshitting. Right. This is the truth. The the instant is deflect and, and point fingers and oh well you're bringing it up so you're messy and you know and so it's a lot of receiving that but I know who I am and right. you can't call me out on a lie because I call myself out. I went right. on the show and said I had I went through gay conversion therapy. I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. Like I've I've been brutally honest about right. everything on the show. So so my experience has been fascinating i'm the only gay one and i'm loud and you know i end up in the eye of the storm every time because i'm calling shit out as i'm seeing it i'm like man that sounds like some bullshit and of course a storm erupts <laughs> that's funny because like to me like if i was in your position it would be nerve-wracking like for me to put myself out there like that but for you it's like really you know i don't know like you're very fascinating as well i feel like you're cut out for like television and media and stuff yeah you think you so? do the gig Talk to your talk to your rep. You know, let's see, let's see if we can uh, sign this contract. Mona, if you're listening, you know, I think it takes it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there, man, and I respect that because, especially in conflict resolution situations, right? Like, like, like you explained. But um, do you experience that people? And I guess this is why I feel like it would be tough for me. Do you experience people? that see you on the street and they swear they know you oh. just because of what they see on the show. I've and how does that make you feel? Because to me, that, that shit would be annoying as fuck. So, um, funny. I'm very on. I'm brutally honest on mm -hmm. the show. And you can see it. And I'm, I'm everybody's best friend on the show. I'm mm -hmm. known for that. So people already feel like they know me. I've had situations where I'm sitting at a restaurant and there's a chair open next to me and somebody will literally sit down at my table and just tap me. And, and, <laughs> oh, my besties. Yeah, we're seeing the show right here. That's funny. Oh, well, okay. Look, <laughs> All right, I right. am screaming. All right. we, don't, we don't want him getting triggered by seeing there somebody. Spiraling. Spiraling. So, you know, I've literally had situations where I'm sitting down at a restaurant and somebody will sit next to me mm. and just tap me and say, yo, and just, like, kick it. Like, so we just conversation. Cool. Like, yo, like, how do you handle that situation? Whack now? a doodle time. But, right. you know, for me, like, I love the love that I receive when mm. I go out. I will, I, anytime anybody stops me, I don't care how late I'm running somewhere, I will stop, I will greet the person, I want them to feel loved and received because that wasn't my experience growing up. When I was being bullied on playgrounds, I literally used to pray to just be liked. Mm. When I would pray in church, I was like, God, just make them like me, please. I will do right. anything, please. Literally, I will do anything. I just want the world to like me. And yeah. now because of the show, the world shows me so much love. Right, you know, and that's why, you know, when you mentioned before that uh, you went through that emotional rut because you started focusing on social media and these trolls on social media was kind of mm -hmm. affecting you. Like, the love that I see that you get on social media is overwhelmingly mm -hmm. positive. Mm -hmm. You know, they see you as, and even now, like, I, you know, I just met you today, but there's a sense of, like, genuineness, you know, frankness um, that, you know, just people appreciate. So, 
it's in line with the comments that I've seen of how people describe you. Like, oh, I would want, I would want Jonathan to be my bestie. He's my bestie, <laughs> you my know, head, and in my yeah. head and all I, that, I you know. Those are, those are the comments that I hope, yeah. you know, you focus a lot more on. Yeah. But um, I mean, I love it. I, listen, Love & Hip Hop gets a really bad rep. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, be, for whatever reason, when, when cast members are on the show, they love the show. Mm-hmm. They won't dog the show out, whatever, whatever. And then they leave and they're like, oh, ah, they start dogging yeah, Exactly. But you, you're bitter. You weren't asked back. Right. right? We get it. So okay. It's whatever. But I will say this. We are not encouraged to fight. And that's a misconception that people have. Mm. And people, I feel like, really attack the creators of the show because they are of color and they they feel like they're perpetuating an image. But that's not the case. And I've seen people be aggressive and violent on the show and not come back. I've never once been violent. Mm -hmm. And I continue to come back because I do exactly what they want, which is for us to use our words. Right. You know, they're like every problem, every issue that you face, you can fix with your words. Mm -hmm. If you have to resort to violence, you will be penalized and we are penalized if we are violent. And these are things that people don't know. And they attack the show and they attack the creators. And it really isn't fair because Mm -hmm. our actions are not a reflection of them. With that said, Mm -hmm. is there anything on the show that you may have done Uh, that you would think now in retrospect, would have handled it differently? And what yes. what was it? What was that moment? Uh, many of them. But <laughs> uh, I would say that being the first male gay couple on Love & Hip Hop New York, I would have handled that relationship differently okay. because, you know, not that I'm... Not that I was having some torch or something. I was just reacting and living my life. But... I feel like there was a sense of responsibility with the image that I was portraying of what a gay relationship is for perhaps people who did not know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't show the beauty of it, Mm. only the turmoil, Mm. you know? I was crazy Dominican, catfishing and and snooping through phones and stuff, finding what I wasn't supposed to find. In hindsight, maybe I would have had the conversations with him off camera and said, you're cheating on me. And as gay men of color on this show, what do we want to tell the world that gay men are? Not infidels and cheaters in this. And I didn't do that. Mm. And I threw a chair at him. I'm okay. Well, that, 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 that took a turn. That took a turn. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I do listen. I do criminal defense law, and I'm an advocate for restorative justice in almost everything. So I'm the first to tell you that no one, especially you, should not be judged by one bad act or one bad moment. You know, we are all works in progress. See, thank you. So. I, need, I need you on speed dial, so <laughs> when the trolls come for me, I'm going to just say, you know what? Talk to my lawyer! Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I'll let them know, like, look, hey, we, you know, we sin different, all right? Don't. But um, it's interesting to me because people think that, okay, this person's on Love and Hip Hop and it's just like a smooth process. Um, you were born for that. You were cut out for for reality show, but but sometimes it's not the case. Like how how did you get involved with Love and Hip Hop? Was that something like did you ever want to be an actor? Did you ever want to be in entertainment on that level? So growing up, like I always wanted to be in television, just because honestly, I just always wanted to be a celebrity because I wanted to go back to the hood and shit on every <laughs> fucking kid that picks up. Fair on enough, and I appreciate your honesty. So, I'm being dead ass. I've right, always right, wanted right. the attention because I grew up feeling like I wasn't getting sure. any. Yeah, so, yeah. I love attention, right, and right. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I love 
All eyes on me. I love cameras on me. I love that shit. I, I thrive in it. Uh, it sounds crazy, and Yo, I'm dude, not Bro, I'm you not do a guy, good job. I like, promise. <laughs> bro, like, you know, and I'm not trying to, like, you know, ruffle any feathers for you and your, you know, the current situation that you got going on now. But I definitely see you, like, doing a lot more. Like, I think, I think you work really well with the camera. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. You know, I, I really do think, you know, even you, plus the response that. that I that I see from, from, from others. But anyway, I didn't want to cut you off. So, you know, I really... I did cut you off, but I no, didn't no, want to no, cut you off. No, 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 it's fine. I do the same thing, so it's fine. It might be a Dominican thing, I don't know. It, it might be, it might be. It shows, like, love. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like we're here, exactly. I see that you yeah, exist, but exactly. my words are more important. <laughs> <laughs> Not a pissing match on the podcast. Um... <laughs> What was I say? Oh, so yeah, so I just, I really, I wanted to to be a notable figure just so I could shit on people. Right, right, right. But Word. I put it on the back burner and then I just wanted to be a makeup artist. Mm. Being a makeup artist, I ended up working with a lot of celebrities. I traveled the whole world. I did makeup in Dubai, Brazil, Africa, like you name it, I've probably been there. Right, right, right. And that landed me hmm. on Love & Hip Hop as a makeup artist from the beginning. Mm. So I was doing makeup behind the scenes on all the cast members. So, so that's good. <laughs> Yo, man, I respect your honesty, man. The world would be a lot better place, man, if, if we all burped and farted and say, "Yo, I'm sorry, I just farted." Burp. Yeah. Because I was trying to like talk through it, but then I realized I was sounding a little nuts. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna just burp. It kind of vibrated on the yeah. on the headphones too. I felt it here. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, so um. Bro, I just want to say, man, it's great to have you here, man. Thank Seriously. you, Charlie. Yeah. You're so great to talk to. You're so chill. You know what I'm saying? You're just cool. You're a Libra. You're a true I'm a Libra. I'm telling you, man. Libra. Through and through. My Listen, best friend Sin is a Libra. Really? What what day? Uh, she is uh, October 20th. Okay. She's uh, okay. She's towards the end, so she mm -hmm. makes it by like two or three days. Mm -hmm. Yo, honestly, Libras are the shit, man. Pro Yo. Yo, like Libras social, are, like we're the shit. fun. You know, today, my production... My production assistant, I found out, shout out to Sam. We were talking and he was like, oh, you know, I'm celebrating my birthday in a couple of weeks. And he says like, and you know, and I was like, really? A couple of weeks? Like, what are you talking about? Like, when is it? October 7th. Same birthday. Crazy. Yeah. He's probably like the third person. But that's why he's so chill. He's so cool. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, hold on. He's a perfectionist. He's yeah. like, guys, are you, I, I want to get this right. Let me, right. you know, I appreciate right, right, that. Right. Shout out to you. Shout out to the Libras too. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so I um, I ended up doing makeup on the show uh, from season one. That's how I became friends with everybody. Or friendly with everybody. Let me say friends. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, well, they, they wanted to diversify the show. And they wanted to sell different stories. And sure enough, the executive producer, who I did her makeup as well, we're friends. Mm -hmm. She said, you know what, Jonathan? They're looking to tell different stories. Um you have a very different story. You're tied to hip-hop because you've been the makeup artist for the hip-hop industry for right. 20 years. You've done right. every hip-hop star. Right. So maybe we can bring you our... You're now dating a musician. Your best friend is was like the Dominican princess, Anais. And so why don't you guys come on together, tell your stories, and let's let's kind of see how it goes. Right, right. And it just kind of, you know, it kind of took off for me and it kind of worked out. Yeah, it was like it was like weird because it was literally it was from behind the camera to on the camera. She's probably like you know like she's talking to you. No, sorry, and you said hairstylist or makeup artist. Makeup sure. artist. Well, right? I did both hair and makeup. Okay, yeah, because sometimes yeah. like when I when I see that I see someone doing both at the mm -hmm. same time. Sometimes not, but um, 
I would imagine, because, you know, first, again, you know, this is like the 20th time we mentioned it. You're Dominican, mm-hmm. right? Tu tienes abuela. So you're a, probably a natural storyteller. Damn. But also, like, folks like you are probably tend to be, not probably, tend to be therapists, mm-hmm. you know, gossip experts, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. So I'm sure she was like, you know what, I'm getting so much content from this from this guy. Mm-hmm. Why not just put him on the shelf? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I literally knew everybody. Okay. Um... I was friends with people who weren't friends, so I was a great connector for them. Mm-hmm. It just for them it kind of worked out. And then I just, right. you know, drifted off and did my own thing. I was able to talk about gay conversion therapy and shed light on mm-hmm. such a crazy topic that so many people didn't know was still actually happening. Right, right. Um, you know, that led to me being nominated for a GLAD Award, which was a huge dream of mine. I remember learning about the GLAD Awards through Ricky Martin when he got his, mm. who's somebody who I've always aspired to be like. And, right. like, he's on my vision board, like, at the top of it. Like, okay. this is the pinnacle of it. Like, if I could just emulate one person or strive to be greatness, it would be Ricky Martin. Really? So I remember him getting his GLAD Award, thinking to myself, I don't know what I'll get it for. Like I said, I don't even have a freaking GED, but I'm going to get one one day. And I didn't win, but I was nominated, and hey, that's all that matters. Listen, bro, shout out to that man! Yeah. Shout out for being nominated, bro. Yeah, that's great, man. So you grew up in Dykeman, like, yeah. but like in Heights, uh-huh. but like, were you going out to Dykeman clubs and doing that whole 100%. scene? I mean, I was a freak show as a kid. I used to like take the train downtown with my fake ID from Pace <laughs> University. I didn't even know where Pace University was. I just knew I allegedly went there. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I remember just like dyeing my hair powder blue and wearing UFOs and going to the tunnel and the limelight and just wow. being reckless. I remember one time, I won't say what, what, how I ended up passing <laughs> out, but just know that I passed out inside of a speaker with a pacifier in my mouth, baby blue hair and baby blue raver pants on. Mm. And my friends came and found me and I was like bouncing inside of the speaker asleep. Oh my God. Nice. That's, that's a story you can tell your grandkids, Fucking man. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And um, do you think, because you also strike me as someone that is um, a go-getter, like how much of that is uh, because you're Dominican mm-hmm. or a New Yorker or because you're like a son, your, your mother was from the Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. she so was she was an she immigrant. She 16. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you know, being the son of an immigrant, mm-hmm. like where do, you, where do you get that go-getter mentality? So I think like, like we talked about earlier, I think being first-generation American, you just, failure is not an option, right. like, you know. This is, this is our first hurrah. You, you're going to make this happen for right. us. So I think we're already born with that, ingrained in our brains. But for me, I just felt like it was a little different. Because I mm-hmm. felt, like I told you, I just grew up always feeling like I was a disappointment for so many mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just prove every single person wrong. Right. Everybody right. who fucked with me. Everybody who picked on me. Everybody who just felt like I was a failure or a loser or whatever. I just wanted to prove everybody wrong. And I wouldn't stop till I could. So let me ask you about that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I feel that I've made most of my progress in life when I have been in close proximity to some level of toxicity. Mm. Because I use that as motivation. So especially when I feel like I've been done wrong, all of a sudden you see Charlie's having the most progress in his life. You know, so it taught me, or as I reflected and meditated... Is there a way where I can continue to live purposefully, inspired, motivated, without responding to that kind of energy? Mm. Or do you think that we need that kind of energy? 
I don't know everybody, but I know I do. <laughs> You know what? All the greats do. Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan would make up stories in his mind to go out there and uh, annihilate people on the court. Stories that were fake. And look at him. He was the best basketball player of all time. Yeah. So, you know, and I appreciate that. You know Mm -hmm. why? Because sometimes I have to make up stories. Whenever I go to the gym, you know, I have to make up stories, bro. I'm like, oh, this person said I fell off. Fuck that one. Uh I respect that honesty. I'm still in search of living that kind of life when I'm not reacting, I'm mm-hmm. living intentional, and still being my best self, right? And mm-hmm. still being, you know, But maybe that's the purpose of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's right. always... We, we could turn a blind eye to toxic energy, and we could turn a blind eye to toxic people as much as we want to, till mm-hmm. the wheels fall off. Right. Like, atomic bombs could go off, the roaches will be left, new people will come, and mm-hmm. new people will be toxic as well. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe that is the purpose of toxic people and toxic energy and toxicity, period, is maybe it is to motivate us, you know? Yeah. Not to sound like some fucking wackadoodle in, in the woods somewhere, smoking reefer, but toxic energy is strong. It's so strong that you could be in a room with 50 people, and if one person is fucking pissed and just, they could take over the whole room. That's mm-hmm. how strong it is, right? Yeah. So maybe that's the purpose of it. Maybe it is to do something to us and what we do with that energy is what we do with it. You know what I'm saying? And for us, maybe it's worked out and maybe that's the message for people. Like, you're going to receive toxic energy no matter what. Right, right. You you can't not receive toxic energy. It's a normal thing. There, I I live with a dog. Like, there are days where my dog is in a bad mood. I'm like, fuck you, piss for. I pay the rent here. The fuck you mad at? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like it's just a nature it's a natural thing yeah, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying plants plants die out of nowhere sometimes right, and right. Repo- it's just we can't escape hmm. it so maybe that is the purpose of it and for us it's just worked out that we use that energy to propel us into greatness or into being the best versions of ourselves and you know like that's such a word brother it wasn't always the case Depression has come from toxic energy and ingesting it and receiving it. You know what I'm saying? It's real easy to take it in and say, yeah, maybe maybe I am that. Or, yeah, you know what? I am a victim to that and, and feel pity and, and lay down and feel sad. But reversely, if you use that to propel you into greatness, there's nothing, no better feeling than winning in spite of. Mm-hmm. Like, there's people who win and there's people who win in spite of. And when you win in spite of, it's just a different like level of euphoria i can't describe it but what i can tell you is i went through hell i dealt with shitty people my whole life and i won in spite of them i used that toxic energy to propel me to being exactly where i want to be and it makes it a little bit better Mm. that's such a great perspective because as you say that i'm also thinking about what what death does right um you know death itself is a horrible thing but the way we respond to death is that, you know, we want to hold our loved ones a little closer. Mm-hmm. You know, we start to, you know, think about our own immortality and start to, like, want to value our time, mm-hmm. want to prioritize who we give love to because we're reminded that our time here is short. So it's it's very similar to that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like whenever, you know, again, that's the, the, the yin and the yang, I guess, if you will, of life. Um, so, yeah, man, I appreciate that perspective. I appreciate it. Um, like you mentioned before that you go back to Dominican Republic. Do you associate the island with uh, the painful memory that you experienced as a child? So, funny story. I don't know the name of this fruit. There's a fruit in DR. Maybe you know. 
you know, on sidewalks, there's a fruit that falls off the trees that is kind of tart. It's not good. Mm. It looks like a peach. And you can see it in VR. In is it guayaba? It's not. It's a little one. Whatever it is. Right. When you go to the Dominican Republic, specifically the capital, it's everywhere. Every sidewalk. So I'm not a person that's triggered or anything. I'm not, you know, like that's like I just I kind of I kind of deal with my shit and I kind of move on. Right. But every time I see those fruits, it instantly takes me back because the the sidewalk where the clinic was, for whatever reason, just has so many of those trees and it was, <clears throat> yo, the sidewalk was covered in those. I remember all the time, like step, tampoco. It's little. Mami. No, no, mami tampoco. It's little. They're little like that. They look like little. They look like um, apricots. Mm. Like plum apricot. Sam, Sam will Google it. He's trying mm-hmm. to find it, yeah. So, and it's not limoncillo either. Cause I know, I was going to say limoncillo, limoncillo but, but it's don't... green. No, these things are like brown. Okay. Uh, it'll, it'll probably come to me. Anyways, so when I go to DR now, and I'm never sure that I've even been on the sidewalk where mm. it happened, right. but it's not until I see those fruits on the floor that I'm like, damn, that was shitty. Mm. Damn, I remember stepping on these things and with my little chancletas. Like, that was crummy. Right. You know, that's the only thing. But I don't associate the country with that experience. Okay. Because I love our culture. I yeah. love being in DR. It's just something. Ab- Dominican people are just so warm, you know. I hate that sometimes people kind of... I'm not going to say misconstrued because, you know, colorism is a real thing in DR and we got to do better about that. Right. We really got to do better about that. And I think what you and I do as Dominican men with platforms to speak out yeah. and show a better way and, and like really acknowledge and really take accountability and even ask friends for forgiveness. Like, right. you know what? I was silent in the past and I'm sorry for that. That was the way I was raised and it was like, you know... You are black people, mm-hmm. and we are this. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't raised to know that we are one. We are right. the same. Right. We are some of the first African Americans because Christopher Columbus did drop off slaves in Virginia. Right. You know what I'm saying? These are all things that, yeah, I, that that you've uh, come to understand as you've gotten older, right? Right. Right. And so, I, and and because of that, now you're changing the narrative. Yeah. And you, and, you know, and you're using your it's platform our to do so. Too. Of course. You know? Of course, it's, it's our responsibility when we know. Right. Right. Um, but it's also our responsibility to put ourselves in a position to grow, mm-hmm. you know, so eventually it's still your responsibility. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man. So I, I'm glad that you don't associate with the island because I think the island itself is beautiful. I think the mm-hmm. people are beautiful. And, you know, the same way that I don't think people should be judged by one bad moment or one bad act. I don't think the Dominican Republic should be judged by what the elites Mm-hmm. are in control of you know and right. it's not to say that there's a, a certain segment of conservative Dominicans that are super nationalists I'm not saying that mm-hmm. but there are also some really pro-black Dominicans mm-hmm. um, or people that are open to that um, that scene there's advocate groups out there working diligently mm-hmm. to try to bring about change and like we're talking and I said it before you know we're talking about a country that never really experienced civil rights the way we experienced it now right, right? and I'm not trying to you know, use that as a crutch, but we also have to understand our own privilege as Americans that we've been exposed to, you know, these rights mm-hmm. that we had or and these views and this, or this education. And let's know? not forget the Dominican Republic, and it wasn't that long ago, had a dictator mm-hmm. 
who was so obsessed with European culture that he would whiten yeah, his skin know, yeah. and removed relics and, and archives and, and artifacts from museums that linked us to African culture. Yeah. He removed it. He, he, he stripped our country of Africanism and he said, no, 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 no. We are, we are from Spain. Right. We are not. We're closer to that yes. than this. And it was, he brainwashed our country and people were really scared of this man. Right. He was killing our people. And so I think that that as well kind of created this story and this narrative and this, this way of thinking. fucked up way of thinking right. that us now, are, are, are the younger ones, are kind of like checking our, our parents and our grandparents like, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, th- you know what? Like, actually, that's, that's wrong what you're saying. Right. Right. And what you're saying about them is what uh, white people say about us. Right. And for white people, we are all the same. Right. So you can't have that mindset. It's fucked up because we are. What, you, what makes you any different? Mm-hmm. The boat dropped our, our great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers right. in the Dominican Republic right. just like they were dropped off here. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Some were dropped off in Maryland. Some were dropped off in, in the Dominican Republic. What is the difference? Right. So it takes us having these conversations with our family to like be like, you know what? It's kind of fucked up. You can't say that. Right. And it's kind of it's kind of ironic or you know at, at times funny when... Uh, I know, uh, you know, a Dominican conservative uh, talking shit about Trump supporters. And you're like, you're winning the same. Like, you're, like, you're doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. You need to do the work. Self-reflect on why you think, wh- you know, why you think what you think mm-hmm. and, and be better and do mm-hmm. better. But um, going back to the fact that you were pretty much discovered while you were doing makeup, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, is that safe to say? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've always wanted to do as a child? uh, Entertainment, yeah. Okay, but like, as far as makeup artists? Oh, so I used to want to be a painter, like Mm. Bob Ross. I was obsessed with Bob Ross. Really? Okay. Did you have the afro? Is that Bob Ross is the guy with the afro, right? Yeah. I loved his afro. I knew I could probably pull it off. (laughs) His skin as hell probably would have looked like a big palm tree. Uh. Um, But I was obsessed with him. I just... I, it was so relaxing to watch mm-hmm. him paint mm-hmm. and stifle his little trees and all that shit. Shout yeah. out to fucking Bob Ross. Well, who, by the way, now is on Netflix. Mm. Um, if anybody's interested, look at Bob Ross. He's the jam. Okay. But um, anyways, yeah, so I always wanted to be a painter. And when I dropped out, when I was looking to drop out of high school and kind of do my own thing, I was like, well, you know, like, I, I'm not going to be a painter, but I'm great at painting faces. So mm-hmm. let me give this a whirl. Okay. And okay. so, you know, that's kind of how it kind of gravitated kinda, towards that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then you started seeing, like, the how, you know, makeup would, would change people's, like, vibe, energy. And you were like, oh, this is actually rewarding. Mm-hmm. Super rewarding because yeah. you get to bring out the the best in people, right. you know? Right, Like, there's many different styles of makeup, not to get, not to bore you with, like, no, it's, it's okay. the, the, the details. But, like, you know, there's different styles of makeup, and mine is just kind of... I love to enhance people's mm. best features and bring out the best in them. Mm, mm, you know, mm. I, I work a lot on eyes and, and bone structure. And it's just, it's, there's a dope feeling every time when your client looks in the mirror and you could just see their confidence. Literally, you could see their confidence. Right. Transcend. You see their posture change. And to know that you're responsible for that, it just feels really good. Mm. It's so a dope dude, job. You, uh, you don't got to tell me, man. Like, I feel like a complete different person when I get a haircut. Like, I'm short with people after I get a haircut. I'm like, <laughs> 
You see my lineup? You think I want to talk shit with this lineup? I got shit to do. I got people to see. I'm not up on you. Fuck that. That's great. Yeah, so would you ever come out with a makeup line? Is that something, or are you doing that already? The hustle that you are, you probably already did it. Already. Okay, okay. But it's really expensive. Really? It's a lot of work. Yeah, and I'm too much of a control freak mm-hmm. that I wouldn't want to work under anybody else and just have to like slap my name on something that maybe right. I don't love. Right. So literally, it would take maybe for the, what I want to a startup, maybe three hundred thousand, probably more. Okay. There's a lot of skews, you know. Mm-hmm. Foundations, you need like forty of them because there's so many different complexions right. and eyebrows. You need like. It's, it's a lot. So what did, you know, let's say if you were to go forward with this, right? Like mm-hmm. tomorrow, someone hears this on the podcast, mm-hmm. they give you 350, which means mm-hmm. 50 comes to me, you get the 300, I got right? you. Commission. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> would it be catered to both men and women? Or Yeah. Okay, okay, because yeah. there's a there's an expanding market of mm-hmm. men wearing makeup, right? Yeah. Okay. So like, I actually, I have a, a fragrance out, and I was very specific about it not being catered to any specific gender. Oh. Because I don't think that things like make everybody breaks out, right? Everybody has acne. Mm-hmm. So what is so wrong about a man wanting to cover his pimple if maybe he's going on a date or maybe he's going on a job interview right, or right. whatever the case may be? Or maybe he just wants to look dope and right. not have a freaking pimple on his face. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or people who have asymmetries or some people have very sparse eyebrows. What's so wrong about a man making his eyebrows like thicker and bushier or maybe filling in his beard like there's nothing wrong with that and Mm -hmm. I think that to attach a gender to something so stupid like freaking paint made out of like freaking um oil and 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 pigment literally like when you break it down in the market it's it's pigment it's oil oh no but but it's for girls Mm -hmm. It's, it's not it's a thing and if we break it down Makeup was first made for men. The Egyptians would use makeup to um, cover their face uh, from the sun, but they would make it ornate. And each tribe had their own way of like painting their face. And it's just like we gotta get out of that shit. Damn, just drop some history gems. It's twenty fucking twenty. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did a, I did a commercial, not a commercial, but I did advertisement. I'm on a box. Oh, a box color, hair color. I've seen it. Yes, yes, yes. They still use it. You know that, right? It's everywhere, man. I should be, I should have negotiated that contract a bit better, but, but yeah. (laughs) Um, I have your number. Next time I see it, I'm gonna text it to you just to fuck with you. Yeah, man. (laughs) Look who's on aisle four of Rite Aid. Right, right, right. (laughs) It was the easiest gig. Ever, bro. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm joking. They 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 did well by me, right? But um, that was interesting, yeah. And it was like, okay, like, yeah, like, why? As you can see, I got some grays, man. Like, why wouldn't I want to sometimes cover it up? Yeah. Maybe tomorrow, I don't feel like covering it up. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. It's something that I want to do. I'm not stopped by what other people's expectations are of me. Yeah. You know, I would imagine there's a, you know, especially now with Instagram, you know, I'm sure the fitness industry fucking exploded after yeah. Instagram so why wouldn't makeup you know so right. that's just you know I'm just giving I'm just giving you advice here Listen, you know if you want to I'm take receiving. it okay, I'm okay. hearing you and I'm taking it in I'm sure you've thought about yeah. it so, so you're just we're in a world where like everybody's life is content everything is content Every, conversation or content mm-hmm. uh, working out is content Every mm-hmm. literally everything you do is content so right. if you're going to create content why not Look and feel your best, but also, but, but like especially now, like men are, are pasting on like like beards. Like right. this is you know, there's a market, there's a market for that. I would I would imagine, but um, I particularly 
commend you. You know, just to switch gears here, I particularly commend you for using your platform to create awareness for the importance of good credit within our communities. Mm. I think it's such an important topic. And first, I want to ask you, why did you feel the need to raise such awareness? So for me, right, growing up, I I didn't even know what a FICO score was. Mm. Like, we, growing up in, in, in my home, these were not conversations that we were having, right? right. My, my mom never really explained to us, like, this is checks and balances. You have to allocate this amount of your income for taxes. And, and it was just financial literacy was just something that I was not raised knowing. Right. And it held me back a lot. They, mm-hmm. I, I could have been further in my career had I had good credit, had I, you know, because your credit score, many people don't understand. It kind of speaks for you in rooms before you enter. When they look that number up, it already tells them something about you. Right. And they can create whatever story they want just based off of your credit report and your spending history or whatever it is. And so I felt like I know how much my life changed and things that I was able to do. Like I said, I have a fragrance. I would have never been able to do that and, and put the capital up had I not had great credit, great credit, mm. great credit. so make it make it short. Great credit. Not I good mean, credit. listen, it's <laughs> up there in the seven fifty plus group, but it took me a long time to get there. Of course, you know, it took what me a long time, man. Charlie, when I checked, this is real talk. The first time I found out about a FICO score, and I went to check mine, my shit was five hundred and like eighty or something mm. like that, like five sixty. Or I was like, what? I was like, no wonder I can't yeah. even get a Capital One card, and they right. give them out to anybody. To anybody. They shove them with down like, your throat with like forty percent interest rate. Bro, right? I couldn't <laughs> even get cash. I couldn't get a Macy's card. I couldn't get shit. Mm. So I was like, no, Mm-mm. I don't want to be excellent everywhere else in my life, and then that is just not up to par. So I just felt like, even though my mom never really knew that, or maybe didn't educate us on that, I'm gonna work on this, and I want people to know the importance of it because I've been able to achieve a lot i don't want to work for other people right. and in order to be independent i need capital and you can't get capital if people can't trust you yeah. and if you have a bad credit score you're not trustworthy in their eyes so right. it's very important right it says a lot it says a lot i think um what do you think about when when you date someone before you get serious you're asking their credit score what do you think about that you think that's something i mean listen that should be required if you're looking to get married like yeah, you're sure. not dropping my fucking fico score it took me 10 years to get here <laughs> Uh, what is yours? Word. That People, might be a deal breaker. Yeah, listen, because it says a lot. Like yeah. these are my future plans, and you're saying that we can't do that because mm-hmm. you haven't been doing what you need to do on your end. Yeah, like I'm like I got people you can talk to. Shout out to Yo, uh, Joe Gathens. He got me up there. He's he's the man. He's mm-hmm. really good. Okay, but like it, it makes your life ten times easier. Yeah. It makes your life ten times easier. Um, personally, uh, you know, I just recently moved. You know, um, mm-hmm. to, to to Jersey, and when I tell you. Furniture isn't cheap, and you know you would probably know that because you look mm-hmm. like you you have mm-hmm. nice furniture. Um, <laughs> it's great to have the option to not have to put up, you know, upfront money, you know, right. when when you don't have to, um, especially when you don't get charged an interest um, for like X amount of time, right? Like people need to understand, like that's mm-hmm. a, you know you're gonna be at home right. with a fucking a mattress on the floor for months uh, because you can't afford the full bed, right. you know. And if you do get the bed, you gotta pay like. Crazy interest on Stup- it. Stupid interest. Stupid interest, you know? And also, you all experience emergency situations, right? Right. Um, why wouldn't you want that safety net? Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense.
I feel that we should protect our credit score with our lives. I think people do not realize how credit score also affects credit score also affects people that are sitting in jail right now. Some people are sitting in Rikers right now because their parents or relatives do not have good credit scores. All because they can't get the, the bail money in. Because they cannot have, you know, they cannot put up the bail because they don't have a credit card. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a credit card because they don't have good credit. Damn, or, or because they don't have a house. Sometimes, especially when the bail is high, people leverage, leverage put yeah. up their house as collateral. Yeah. But you can't put up a house if you don't have good credit to get that house. Right. And that's why many people stay in prison. And what happens when people stay in prison and can't come out? And the prosecutor comes up to you and says, you know what? You've been here for six months, even though you have enough to fight the case and uh, assert your innocence. How about you take this plea, you plead guilty to it, and I'll let you out tomorrow. So now you, you come out, and now you have a felony, which could have probably been resolved or avoided, not resolved, but avoided, if a relative or someone close to you had good credit that would have been able to bail you out, buy you some time, mm -hmm. get your ass a job, hire an attorney that's going to work hard for you, beat your case or resolve it in a non-criminal disposition. Mm -hmm. Like this is how the black and brown communities are affected um, in the criminal justice system every goddamn day. That's crazy. You know? I, I literally never thought of it like that. I've always thought of it as just like financial independence to like grow and be my own boss. But I, you're no, right. People's freedom depends on it. You're people's freedom. Right. ProPublica and I, you know, because I know you were uh, an advocate for, for good credit, found that even accounting for the same income, uh, meaning within the same income bracket, the rates of judgments from debt collection lawsuits was twice as high in mostly black and brown community than in mostly white communities. So now it's, it's becoming like, okay, there's something about the culture mm -hmm. that's exacerbating this problem of bad credit. Like, what are we telling ourselves? What are we telling our kids? You know, there's something that needs to change. Mm -hmm. You know? It's financial education. I'll never wrap my head around how we can go to school for so many years. There's There were so many things I remember learning in school that have never applied to my life. Mm -hmm. I've never used them. Why are we not teaching finance in school to kids? Why are we not teaching them about their credit scores? Why are we not? These are things that we need. Bro, bro, bro. You know what's so funny? The reason that my, the reason that my credit score was horrible in my early 20s was because when I first arrived at college, on college campus, barely an 18-year-old, because I have a late birthday, I'm a Libra, they had people sitting at the auditorium you know, trying to persuade us with free T-shirts, with free candy in exchange for us uh, filling out credit card applications, bro. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're trying to give credit cards to unemployed students, full-time students. already going to get hammered by the by tuition, by the loans. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, like, you know, whether it's capitalism, whether it's designed, I don't know. We need to do better. We need to do better. But I also want to talk to you about, you know, you know, if we want to get specific about credit um, and because we come from this community, and I'm sure this exists in many other cultures, 
but I can only speak for the Dominican community because that's, that's specifically the community that I come from. I think we as a people are plagued by materialism, mm -hmm. which then leads us to be irresponsible in our spending, which then leads to bad credit. You agree on that? 100%. Let me tell you something. People, shit, I, I drive a 2014 mm. Nissan Altima. Mm. People, and I live in a beautiful high rise that when you park in the lot, it's a lot of Bentleys, Maseratis, mm -hmm. all these beautiful exotic cars. And I've had people in the industry ask me like, bro, how are you, how, how are you pulling up to these restaurants and these events and stuff? And like, a, you know, in a hoop, I'm like, excuse you. How dare you call my car a hoopty? I take great care of my mm -hmm, car. Mm -hmm. It is six years old. It is a Nissan Altima. Right. But I'm proud of it. And right. it's paid for in right. full. I owe nothing to Can no you say one. the same thing with your car, as, you know, with the big ass car note? So can, can, I, can I have a Range Rover? Right. Actually, can I have a Bentley? I could. But do I want to spend $2,000 a month to pull up somewhere to fill somebody else's eyes and deplete my bank account? Right, right. I don't want to work like that. Mm -hmm. But for many years, I felt like that was a status, right? I felt like, because I think we're, we grow up as people of color thinking the world perceives us as less than. Right. And the, no, the world treats us it as treats less us, than. Right. And, and we so internalize that. We internalize it. Right. And so we look at Jewelry and cars and flashiness, like 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 staples, like like a like a thing of a statement of money and mm -hmm. success mm -hmm. and wealth, mm -hmm. and we want to wear it out there so that the world knows. Oh no, you can't shit on me because I have money. Clearly, look at the car that I ride. Mm -hmm. Look mm -hmm. at my watch. Look at my jewelry. Look, and we gotta get out of that mindset right. because that's that's taking us actually further back. Right. We're doing it to to move forward and progress, but it's only making us regress right. because it's, we're chasing a dream that's not real. Right. You want to show wealth, you don't wear it on your body. You mm -hmm. buy property, you buy real estate, mm -hmm. you buy stocks, you buy bonds. You, that's what you do. You create a legacy of money. Mm -hmm. You don't just buy it now with something that's going to be old in a couple of seasons. Right, right. Talk you know? it, man. Talk it, brother. Shit, that was a word. Um, and speaking about creating, I'm not trying legacy. to be up to y'all on no soapbox either. Like, I hope I'm not sounding preachy or like a know it all. No, 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 I'm no. I'm actually really silly and stupid, and <laughs> I like to burp and do dumb shit. Oh, we definitely know you like to burp. Yeah. Um, no, man, because it's true, man. And, um, you know, I just wanted you to bring that up because, um, it, it's not all the time that I get to speak about, you know, materialism and, and how it affects us, man. Like, we really do the most. But Just to be able to impress is? people. You know, a lot of it is because of the reason why we're here. Like, our parents left everything they knew for a better life. And like you said, you know, your family sees it as success, but success is financial success. And it's like, how else you can, you know, show that? You know, you can show it by what you wear. You can show it by what you drive. Um, and then also, you see it, like, I saw it a lot growing up. You know, like, oh, look at these nice cars. I mean, he's still living on the block, but mm -hmm. look at that nice car that he's driving. And, well, I'm not going to go there because, it, you know, there's so many hip-hop lyrics that also, you know, turned me into thinking so much about, like, copping that new car or copping that gear. Mm -hmm. um, also, like, interactions with one another. Like, when we feel bad about ourselves, um, if we don't have the 
self-awareness or the coping mechanism to deal with that anxiety or how we or, or that negativity that lies within us, we project that, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, so I may look at you and I'm like, okay, well, you look at you, this, that, and the third. This is wrong with you. That's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And the easiest thing for people to try to play you on is what's physically in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I've always, you know, at heart, I'm somewhat of a socialist. So, um, you know, but I'm also the son of an immigrant. So I've had to battle with that. Um, and because I grew up in Harlem, which was, you know, as I've said it before in prior episodes, money-making home, the culture is about showing, mm-hmm. being flossy. And once you do that, though, it's a drug because you see how people respond to you. And that's the conflicting message. When people don't understand that that love isn't real, mm-hmm. like when your community responds to you, or even family members respond to you. They start, they start to give you the seat. They start to you know, bring the plate to you when they know that you have that salary, when, when, when you're able yeah. to do certain things. You better talk about it, because that's... A, that's and you're like, oh. my family all the time, and I'm not mentioning people. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you see that a lot. So, but think about it. Like, we're also, we're also human beings that want love, bro. Mm-hmm. We want love. Mm-hmm. So, if you, if you see that this is the formula... In mm-hmm. some cases, unfortunately, in most cases, when you come from where we come from, mm-hmm. to like getting that, receiving that love, then that's a system that you buy into, man. The reward is too great to have everybody on you because you're dripping. The, the reward is too great mm-hmm. to be admired. Is I'm telling you because I'm on a TV show where so many people send me love and, and admiration and stuff. It's a drug, and once you receive that, you don't ever want it to not be there. Right, right. It's right. addicting, and I and I get it. Yeah. It, it it sucks. You know what I'm saying? And it sucks that, like I said, our school system doesn't teach us these things. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? That literally, like, to teach us, th- this is a high yielding interest account. This don't put your money in Chase. You're actually losing money by mm-hmm. keeping your money in Chase. Right, you know, right. put it like we don't learn these things. Yeah. We have to seek it if we care. Right, right. You know what we do care about is barbershops and salons. I'm, I'm saying, I'm sorry. I mean, that's your, that's do. your industry, right? But you know, again, I'm gonna drive my Nissan to the barbershop. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna get there in my Nissan in my yeah, alleged yeah. hoopty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you came out with your own perfume mm-hmm. called Libertas, which is very fitting mm-hmm. um, in light of all you've been through and mm-hmm. what you've gained in personal liberation. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, funny, I saw your cologne on social media somewhere, and someone said in the comments. Jonathan looks like he smells great. Why wouldn't I buy his fragrance? I found that to be hilarious. That's funny. I think I read that comment. Ah, it kind of it didn't have a like. I was wondering if it was yours. Yeah, it probably was. It probably was. If there's ever a like on a positive comment of me, rest assured, it's either me on my real page or my fake page. Got, oh, the burner. <laughs> Everyone has to have the burner. Hello? But you know what? You have to change your email. Like, I've had Why? some recent... Why? You don't know. You don't know what's happening, bro. Like people can tell. Like I've had some trolls on my page, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna give up the goods, man. But I'm, I'm gonna do it for the sake of like transparency and transparency honesty. and honesty. So what you do is you go to that person's page, right? You you copy and paste that person's username, mm-hmm. right? Then you go to Instagram, 
you 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 type in that username and then you put forgot password. When you got forgot password, it tells you what email that that password is going to or that number, but it's not going to tell you the full email, but you can kind of like I'm understand gonna, like I wish you guys could see how mind blown <laughs> the fuck I am right now. I I have yeah. words. Keep that between us and the listeners though. Listen, I'm going to go do you know how many trolls I have? Listen. That I know perhaps are people that I know mm. trying to fuck with me. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. You know, Try I mean it. I mean the smart one is probably creating uh, a different email. You know, and Sam is mm. not nodding his head because he's a, he's a part of this generation and they probably know all of this, right? Mm-hmm. But a smart troll will probably create this email out of nowhere, obviously without their initials, you know, without anything that mm-hmm. can be right. you know, brought back to them. Yeah, with a burner, a burner email. Yeah, a burner email, exactly. Troll at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how would you describe your scent? Not, not the scent that you have now, but the scent of the... <laughs> I'm of actually the wearing perfume. them. Okay. Um... I would describe it as I wanted it to be, so I'm, I consider myself like light, airy, fruity. Mm. I wanted it to have those notes, right? Mm. But then I have a wild side. I, I love to party and be reckless and crazy and all I that. I see that. I see that. In yeah. Me. So there, there's hints of like musk, tobacco, but then there's also cr- green tea mm. hints of it that make it soothing and calming. This bergamot, which is a very, like, deep, rich, masculine. So it's literally, I wanted to name it yin and yang mm. because it is, it's a perfect balance of each. I wanted each note to parallel each other. So if there was a, what else do I have in it? There's mandarin in it, right? Okay, I love so, mandarin. So mandarin is the body of, this, of, the, of the scent, but musk is also the body of the scent, and it has equal amounts of each. I wanted it to be so balanced mm. down the middle uh, that I would just describe it as something that is truly divine mm. that anybody can wear, whether you are man, female, uh, just non-conforming, whatever it is, it's a completely non-binary fragrance. And I, la- I named it Libertad because, you know, I'm Dominican, I wanted to pay homage to our, our culture, mm-hmm. and the brand is called Carnabo & Co., which Carnabo and Anacaona were the first to kind of rebel and fight Christopher Columbus. And mm. they killed all the colonizers that he left behind. And mm. I just love their story, okay. their love story. Uh, so I just wanted to pay homage to them. I would, I would say also your personal story, right? For sure, yeah. for sure. I think Seems... that's why I related to theirs. They just, they fought. Mm. Mm. They fought and they succeeded. And, and I just, I, I loved everything about their story. And freedom is something that everybody wants. Everybody mm. wants to be free. Right. Free from stigma, free from death. Death, debt. Yeah, I'm getting debt. drunk here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just just free. People just want to be free, and yeah. Do did you bring one? You know, I'm trying to support brown businesses. Okay, What's so up? crazy enough because of COVID, the plant where I get it done, mm-hmm. I have it done here in um, San Diego. Mm-hmm. They had to shut down, okay. so they're not producing it right now. Mm-hmm. I've gotten so many emails like, "Oh, I need a refill." Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, you know. I was like, I literally had like four. I gave one to a friend for his birthday, and then I gave one to my brother, and I had two. Mm, okay, well, I'm you know, just through. make sure that I when, got it, when it comes through, and I want to pay because we know we're not doing this. Like we're we're supporting each other. We're not. No, it's cool. Okay. I got you, Charlie. So where can we find your perfume once it comes out? Would once it be it on your out? website? Would you yes. be? Okay. So um, if you click the link in my bio, it'll it'll send you there. If not, you can go to 
galnavoandco.com. Okay. And it'll be there. Dope, dope, dope. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Libertad, and I hope you're not too tired. I know we've no, been here. Like, I don't even know the I'm time not. is just going. But right. I like I feel like, you know, we're not even worried about the time, which is so, great. You know what's crazy? Like, I don't know if you believe in zodiac signs, but Somewhat, somewhat. Somewhat. Right? I mean, you know, I saw I saw um Legend from Univision. The, oh, what the mercado! Oh my God, I love that! I love that. Uh, it was on Netflix, man. It was amazing. It was uh for those people who don't know who are listening. What the mercado was like a gender fluid, uh, uh, psychic guru man mm-hmm, who was mm-hmm. on the news every single day. My grandmother loved him. But he wore tons of makeup. He was completely eccentric. Think of Liberace on like steroids. Right. And I there was a man Fair who was being interviewed saying. Um, I didn't know that I was gay because I didn't know what gay was, mm-hmm. but I knew that I was different. And watching him made me feel like I was okay with whatever it was that I was because he was the same. And I, I related to that because I remember watching him like, who is this fabulous man? He's right. always like bedazzled and glittered out and yeah. blinged out and okay, work. And dropping gems. Blinged out and dropping yeah. gems. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, those people, so I, I just got into Zodiac signs or whatever, and they say that Geminis and Libras are very compatible as really? friends and stuff. And when we get to talking, it'll just go. Interesting. And Gemini is what month again? June. June. Okay. Well, you really don't know shit about uh, Zodiac. Listen, all I know is about all I know is about Libra, um, Scorpio, because it's right is right after, and I have some experience with Scorpios. Um, and the one before that is Virgo. Mm, yeah, Virgo Pisces. September. September is not Virgo. Whatever you know. But speaking of Libra. I see you out here in the streets trying to protect not only your liberties, but liberties of, of others by encouraging mm-hmm. people to vote, right? Uh, tell me about the work you're doing concerning getting people out there um, to exercise their rights. Um, and why do you think it's so important? So I'll be really honest. I didn't, uh, in the elections with Barack, I didn't vote. Mm-hmm. And I felt badly about it, but I just felt like, you know, one vote is not going to make a difference. Right, right. And so living in an era in a world where we had such greatness in the White House, like Barack and Michelle Obama, I mean, they were true excellence. And we watched it, and we were so spoiled to have them, to now have the cantaloupe that we have in there. So the cantaloupe. Like, I, I just think it's too important, and I think that how I felt... In the elections, like, mm, what's one vote? Is one vote really going to make a difference? I think if we all collectively have that notion and that feeling, he will be in there again, and we got to get him out. Mm. Our babies are still in cages. Right. Right, exactly. You know, and we're... It, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to... You know, I, I just agree with mm-hmm. you because we're facing such an enormous dysfunction Ooh. that requires strong leadership, right? Mm-hmm. A leadership that, you know, does due diligence in understanding the role of science, of science, like we need to convince our leadership that science is important, and that um, we affect, we as people affect our environment. Like mm-hmm. a, a leader that doesn't believe in that doesn't deserve to be in office. Or as simple as evolution, like, sir, uh, uh, evolution is not up for discussion. We we kind of crossed that a apparently long it is time ago. Apparently it's fake news. And I just don't feel comfortable with a man who can't contain himself on Twitter. Having nuclear codes, right. and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if people are scared of nuclear war or not. If they've not seen movies, but 
you know, I don't know if you guys ever did fire, if you did drills in school for like, you know, fires and nuclear stuff. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, what is this? And reading in the encyclopedia what nuclear activity actually is, then you can annihilate the world. I don't feel comfortable with a man who cannot contain himself on Twitter. He can't, he can't not tweet. He can't keep his fingers from tweeting. I don't feel comfortable with those same exact tiny stubby orange fingers having the codes for for nuclear, nuclear bombs and warfare. Yeah. I, I'm not comfortable with that. Right, right. And being against Mexican can't make you that compelled to vote for this man. Because let's be clear, most people who vote for him are not voting for him. They're voting against immigrants. They're voting against Mexicans. Right. That's right. really what they're doing. Right. You can't be that compelled to get us up out of here where you have a man who is emotional and irrational right. having those codes. Right. You you got to walk into the booth and know that, am I really safe with this man in office? A reality star. I could run for president. He's a reality star. Yeah, exactly. He's a he's reality, a reality star. star. A good one at that. He's so entertaining to me when he's on television. But as a president, right, right, right. Please, sir, yeah. sir. Right. And all we're asking for, you know, we're not even asking, no, we are asking for to respect people's human rights, right? Right. But also human decency by, you know, not putting kids in cages or not giving hysterectomies, right? Not giving hysterectomies without consent. Right. But like someone, strong leadership that actually encourages diversity and doesn't see it as anti-American. This is the United States. Like we're supposed to be the beacon for democracy and for progress. We're supposed to be the best nation in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, it, it's looking like it's it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the country's completely divided because of him. And I feel like this is, I'm 36. I, I've lived through a couple of presidents. This is the first president that I've ever experienced where if I drive through a neighborhood where I see too many American flags, right. I feel scared. Right. right. I feel that's nervous. interesting that you say that because the other day I felt the same thing. And I don't know if that's like great branding or not. You know, you see this this mm-hmm. uh, this artwork right here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the American flag, but this is the American flag that I feel represents the American flag. I, I'm obsessed you know? with this piece behind right, me. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, this is my, my guy, A.R. Garcia. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's called... Uh, this is on your Instagram, though, right? Uh, People can see it on your IG. I'm, I'm going to put it on my IG. It's called the Flag A.R.'s King's Lear, and um, um, influenced by William Shakespeare. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare um, wrote the, the King Lear um, while there was a pandemic. AR was able to do this piece of art during this pandemic. You know, we have, instead of the stars, we have cottons here, you know, caution cuidado, both in English and Spanish, to, you know, represent, uh, you know, what's going on with immigration. But, you know, I just want to thank you for using your platform, uh, you know, to share your stories, your lessons, your desires for a more tolerant society. Um, I think it's extremely important. And um, with that said, this is why I'm gifting you this uh, this shirt oh, from the shit. Good Brothers of uh, a Protest and Vote. I'm getting Andre merch. Richardson. I it was coming with gifts. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to gift you that shirt, man, because of the work that you're doing and, the, and using your platform, you know, for doing that work. Protest um, and vote. That's two messages that I yes. that are aligned and I believe in. Yes, immensely. of course, of course. By voting, so. you are protesting. There we go. There we go. So, 
Um, before we leave, I want our listeners to leave here knowing a bit more about you, uh, leaving us with like the people that actually um, inspire you, you know, in your, in your, in your journey. You know, we want to know who these people are, dead or alive. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Fiki Mark thing. Yeah. Okay, and I said For that sure. with a Spanish accent. I don't know why. Yeah. But Ricky Martin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and why Ricky Martin? He's Latino. He's gay. He's very vocal. He's very active. And he's just, he's really not problematic. He doesn't bullshit. He calls it out like he sees it. He doesn't care if he has to call out a politician. Right. Or, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love a person who has the moral compass that he has. Right. And he, he puts his neck out there. And he's a multimillionaire. He's so successful. He doesn't even live in Puerto Rico. And what I watch him do for his people, for his island, it's so beautiful to me. And it's so encouraging and motivating. And I want to be just that. I want to always stick my neck out for everybody who is going through any kind of adversity. Right. Whether it affects me or not, I just... Being a, big, a victim of bullying, mm-hmm. I want to stand up for every single person who feels like they don't have a voice. Right. If I have a platform now, whether it is... 600 followers or 600,000 or God willing 600 million I want everybody to pay attention to what's really going on and he does that and I admire him for that that's what's up Andy Cohen as well I think Andy Cohen has done really great for himself I think I like I like um you know he's really big on like showing his his children or his Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. and um you know I think because I know you know some of my gay friends want to have a family, mm-hmm. and it's good for that representation to be out there. 100%, especially right. with the, you know, with um, who's in office, who right. shall remain nameless, who mm-hmm. feels like gay people should not have children. And right. I think to have people like Andy Cohen out there showing, you can't be a parent, you can be a damn good one. Right. I love that. And you know what, I'm actually, I'm really inspired by some of my friends. Like, I have really dope friends. I, like, shout out to Yandy, shout out mm-hmm. to Jamila, Shout out to Tamika Mallory and, mm-hmm. and my son. Like, this, the work that they do relentlessly, and I've seen them do it for no money. For, they're not doing it for anything outside of just wanting to see the world be a better place. Right, right. Holding people accountable, doing what needs to be done. God damn it, even going to jail. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really admirable, and it's really um, inspiring. And mm-hmm. it lets you know, like, you can actually make a difference. Right, right. You know, they're not letting Breonna Taylor's death be in vain. They're still out there. Yeah, they're I still protesting. Yeah. They are in Kentucky, while, pounding while, the pavement. Yeah, while and most people are tired and are, are home and they're are, are not getting distracted. Yeah. They're risking getting the Rona. They're getting on planes. They're, they're doing the work, and it's really inspiring. Like, it, I've always loved Yandy. I've known Yandy now for 11 years, but this has made me fall deeper in love with her. Mm. Like, beautiful to see somebody care so much about people most would say you know she's successful she can use her money to perhaps shield her children from these experiences and in spite of that she doesn't care right because she sees it as every single child who goes through it can be hers and i've seen her pain and then i've seen her cry and it's really inspiration it's really beautiful to see and they're not gonna stop change will come till they're (laughs) six feet under Right, they're right. not gonna stop, and I'm joining them, and I'm not gonna stop either. Word, man. Hey, man. Shout out to you. Um, shout out to them. And um, again, just uh, you know, thank you, thank you for using your platform. You could be doing anything else, but you're out there putting your neck on the line. 
Um, they're out there putting their neck on the line. Mm -hmm. So again, thanks to them. Thanks to you. Bro, where can we find you? Instagram, Twitter, what's up? I'm everywhere just being reckless and loud and just being crazy. But my at handle is at I'm so Jonathan. Okay. That's the same across the board. It's on Twitter, Instagram, and you know, pages you go to late at night. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you got the only fans up? You know, it's like you're not there not, yet? Not there yet. My waistline ain't cut out for that. Hey. <laughs> this guy, man. And, uh, thank you for all you do, my brother. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come check me. I appreciate it. I Thank appreciate you. everything you do as well, Charlie. And I'm I'm proud to see a Dominican doing his thing. Hey, man, we're trying out here. We're trying. This was dope. I need to come back, man. Come back tomorrow, bro. We do another one. Another three-hour, four-hour podcast. Let's do it. I'll bring more liquor, though, because I know that's the requirement. Lit. All right, peace.